get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You get Sonny Gray to be the anchor at the top of your rotation, but then your two, three, four leave a little bit to be desired. But that's the position the Cardinals put themselves in when they came into the offseason desperate for innings. They had to go and they had to shore up innings as quick as possible because the alternative and doing it the opposite way, Randy, would be, you know, they get their guy and all of a sudden they don't have any depth to supplement it with. Sometimes things just make sense and it all ends up working out for the best for everybody involved. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. The group is back together today. I hope you all had a very happy Thanksgiving. It is 11.04. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Alex, the Cardinals made the move that we all expected them to make. Three years, $75 million is the reported contract for Sonny Gray, who is the newest member of your St. Louis Cardinals rotation. You guys can get involved in the show today. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We also have the mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. T-Bone told me before the show today, I'd be happy to pull as many mic drops as people are willing to submit. So if you want to go get those in right now, feel free to do so. What's your reaction to the the news that Sonny Gray is going to be a Cardinal? So we all thought that this was coming. We all expected that Sonny Gray would be a Cardinal. The surprise to me, Alex, the disappointment to me, Alex, has nothing to do with the fact that Sonny Gray is a Cardinal. I thought this would take place, and I was excited about the fact that it was going to happen. I think the reaction to today's news being skewed more negative has very little to do with Sonny Gray for most people, and a lot to do with what the rest of the moves have been. If the Cardinals had made zero moves thus far, and their first move of the offseason was signing Sonny Gray. I think it would be mostly, mostly met with optimism. There would be fans that would still be dreaming on the idea of adding Yamamoto to this rotation with Sonny Gray or adding Tyler Glass now to the rotation with Sonny Gray or trading for Dylan Cease or going out and adding Blake Snell. So many different options still remain for the offseason. However, because the Cardinals have already spent $23 million combined for 2024 on... Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, I think most people view a Sonny Gray, Miles Michaelis, Steven Matz, Kyle Gibson, whatever rotation. Did I miss somebody? Yeah, Lynn. No, no. Lance Lynn rotation. No, as, I know, he's forgettable. That's okay. As leaving a lot to be desired. So I think that is where we get to today being a quote unquote disappointing day of news. What was your reaction when you saw this morning, Alex, that the Cardinals had signed Sonny Gray? Um, 
cool. <laughs> like, oh, like the Matt Steele. Steven yeah. Matt Steele. <laughs> it kind of was a Steven Matt Steele. Like, I, it sucks because if this would have happened two weeks ago, I'd be on the air celebrating the Cardinals move and being like, good for them. They did what they said they needed to accomplish. They went out there and they got the second best guy that they need to acquire this offseason. But the problem is, this is their first place prize. This is this signing. The Cardinals are standing on the first place podium, jumping up and down, going, I won, I won, I won. <laughs> Meanwhile, every other team around Major League Baseball sit there like, good for you, little buddy. We'll go for the bigger fish here. We got a participation trophy, yeah, didn't that's, we? That's like, oh. And it sucks because Sonny Gray is a really good pitcher. Sonny Gray should be celebrated in St. Louis right now because, I mean, they, he, he just got a probably the biggest contract handed out to a free agent starting pitcher ever by the Cardinals by AAV. Yes. But the problem with all of this is they, sh- this, this should be the, the, the first step in a successful off season. But now we're going to sit here and act like Sonny Gray as the savior in the ace arm of this rotation when he's not, there's people on Twitter that are arguing is Kyle Gibson, the second best pitcher on this team right now. Like, that's the offseason. The answer might be yes, by the way. And that's the freaking offseason <laughs> oh. you just created. And and the, the infuriating part is the Cardinals, we've talked about this last week. Like, you learned the wrong messaging here because, yeah, you went out there and you got innings and you got guys who can compete for you all season. But are we all forgetting what John Mosaic sat there and talked about at the end of the season? Well, I think swing and miss needs to be the, the area we focus on. Well, Sonny Gray, who you just paid $25 million AAV to, had a nine strikeout or one strikeout per inning, basically. That's pretty good. Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson were better than that last yeah, season. By strikeout rate? Like by decimals, but that's pretty good. You didn't you get any swing guys. and miss stuff. No, that's swing and miss. I'll actually push back no, a little bit. That's not the swing and miss stuff that you said you needed for your Lance rotation. Had a better swing and miss. Uh, Don't give me the show of Tommy crap. How many times do I have to tell you? you wow, give me, I didn't hear that. You stat give me two I left. of those guys. It's true. You give it's literally true. You give me one of wow. those guys this off season, and meaning Sonny Gray. So. I'll it's push a good back start. on this a little bit. I, I they ha- they added legitimate swing and miss stuff to their Get rotation. The hell out of here! You had okay swing and miss stuff to your rotation. They didn't add Blake Snell, but like they added more swing and miss than if they added Aaron Nola. This is more swing and miss stuff than Aaron Nola would have provided to your rotation. Now that doesn't make it better. Like the overall quality of those innings, uh, a lot to be desired there. But like I think the reaction to this has nothing to do with Sonny Gray and everything to do with the other two starters that you were talking yeah. about, Alex. Like. If I had simply told you coming into the offseason, hey, the Cardinals are going to add a guy to their rotation that this past season was second in the Cy Young Award conversation that has three times in his major league career finished in the top seven of the Cy Young Award voting and two times in his major league career has finished top three in the Cy Young Award voting. Mm. I will continue with some of the accolades for Sonny Gray, if you guys don't mind. Sonny Gray... Over the past four seasons, this dates back to 2019, has an ERA that is better than Zach Wheeler, has a strikeout rate that is better than Zach Wheeler, has, if you want to go with the nerdy numbers, stuff plus, right? We talk a lot about how you got to add better stuff to this rotation. Well, his stuff rates better than Logan Gilbert, Jose Barrios, Max Freed, Pablo Lopez. His wins above replacement, if you want to get super nerdy with this, over the past five seasons is better than Justin Verlander, Max Freed, Brandon Woodruff, Clayton Kershaw, Zach Gallen, Blake Snell, Dylan Cease, Walker Bueller. Man, Sonny Gray's really freaking good. Like, what you added to the front end of your rotation today 
is awesome. There is nothing wrong with adding Sunny Gray. The problem is what you said, Alex. You were 100% correct. Yo, you're going to have Kyle Gibson as your number two starter going into the season and we're going to act like that's okay? Because that's problematic. If he's not, then you're going to have Miles Michaelis as your number two starter. And I'm not totally sure he should be starting playoff games for a legitimate World Series contender. Like, that's where stuff gets pretty dicey. And so I do have legitimate questions about the Cardinals rotation, but I don't feel like Harold Reynolds, who when he heard this news earlier today, Alex Ferrario on MLB Network, listen to what he had to say. Uh, Sonny Gray, the Cardinals are expected to finalize a deal today via league sources. Oh, man, this is terrible news. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's good news for the Cardinals. Harold, what is intrusive thoughts, Wayne? I think Harold forgot the cameras were rolling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Harold, you're supposed to be neutral. Oh, we're on. That's. I mean, honestly, though. It's terrible news. Honestly, that's what I kind of felt like when I saw the news. <laughs> really? Yeah. Not that it's terrible news. It's terrible news because now they're done. Like now, the off season is over. Do you feel the way that Randy did earlier today? Because Randy, as you can imagine, I could probably predict and say no. Not thrilled by the news. This is their opening segment on the opening drive as I turned it on this morning. This is a guy that with the pressure on has not pitched well, whether it's the venue or the time of year. And with all due respect to the Cardinals, who uh, have apparently a lot of money to waste, this is Whoa. not the kind of move that puts a team over the top. This is a waste of money move. This is a move where if you're the Cubs, you laugh. You say, okay, we've got Justin Steele, and they're going to pitch Sonny Gray against Justin Steele? (laughs) 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 That's what they're going to do. Randy sounded like Santa Claus out here with his little chuckles. Okay, so well, I hope he brings a top end starter to the rotation. Then I, I, I mean, Do you I feel that way. I kind of agree with them. I, the twenty five million dollars you spent on Sonny Gray to me is not a waste of money. It's the twenty three million dollars you spent on two other guys that are supposed to be your third and fourth best pitchers on this roster. That's the waste of money, and that's where I can look at Rain. Waste of money seems really harsh. Like Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson. If you're listening, you're not a waste of money. But you're also not what the Cardinals needed to fix this rotation. One of you would have been awesome. That's Maybe not both of you. Yeah. I think the big mistake here was that they they added both of them. And I said this last week. We all said it last week. The Cardinals adding Lance Lynn or Kyle Gibson. Either one. I don't even care which one it was, honestly. Adding one of those two guys, a more than reasonable acquisition. In fact, probably a necessary acquisition because you needed innings coming in bulk from somewhere in this rotation. Adding Sonny Gray plus one of those guys, great start to your offseason. Objectively, a really good start. Adding both of them at the time felt unnecessary and today feels even more frustrating to me because it means you don't have that $11 million to spend on something else where you can use that to go like trade for an upside guy. Hell, trade for Shane Bieber or trade for Dylan Cease, trade for Tyler Glass now, who if you added him to this rotation, man, with Sonny Gray and let's say it's Kyle Gibson that they ended up signing and Tyler Glass now, hot damn. Okay, I can dream on that. You got the innings from Gibson and Gray. You got the upside of a number one starter from Glass now. Now we're really talking, you you move uh, Steven Matz to the bullpen, so now you only have to add one more uh, guy to your bullpen. You probably trade for that piece. Like, okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. 
the problem was always adding that second back end of the rotation starter. It didn't make sense at the time, and it makes even less sense today now that we know they were actually able to get something done. When they made that move, T-Bone, you weren't with us. Um, my immediate reaction was like, man, this probably means that they couldn't get in on Sonny Gray. I I'm guessing that he just wants to go to Atlanta. Like, that was my honest thought late last week is, oh, okay. I guess we now know Sonny Gray's probably headed to Atlanta. It makes a lot of sense. Close to home. They're in the market. They clearly wanted Nola. They're probably going to outbid you for Sonny Gray now. I get it. Hard to blame him for that. Now that they got him, I'm wondering even more why they decided to do what they did. Yeah, I... The, the reason I'm frustrated, because I love the deal. I think three years, $75 million, maybe a little bit of an overpay, but you probably had to do it to win the bidding war over Atlanta. I love the deal in itself for Sonny Gray. The problem is, is you have a Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn. You didn't need both. I agree with you. I, I heard you say that on air when the news broke last week, and I was 100% with you because then it totally limits what you can do. And now that now it's really hard to look at the rotation and go, okay, how do you accomplish what you were going to do this offseason? The goal, I thought, was to get two guys that can slot ahead of Miles Michaelis. Now you got one. I don't see the path for the second. That's what's so frustrating about it is, to me, the quote-unquote waste of money, if you will, is on one of Gibson or Lynn because you did not need both. It, the offseason, it felt like the Sonny Gray signing was supposed to be a part of the, the marathon. Like, we're at the halfway point. You got Sonny Gray. You got a number five starter. All right, you're halfway through the offseason. You just need that number one. Problem is, I feel like we've already reached the finish line, and I look at this rotation and go, how much better is it truly? I, like, I, I truly don't know how much better they made this rotation because I don't think the innings... Than last year? Yeah. Oh, they I mean, made it better than last year. Okay, it's better than last year, but... the last year is not the bar. Exactly. Compared to contenders, that's... Yeah. Like, how do you compare to the contending rotations? That, I think, is a fair question. Being better than last year means you're, like, an, an 82, 83 win yeah. team. They... They built a rotation based on, okay, how do we get better from last year? When, okay, well, that's such a low bar to clear. You could do that by just bringing in a couple of fives. And that's what they did with the Lennon-Gibson signing. I I know they're going to eat innings. And I understand they're valuing innings. I get it. I understand it. But I don't know how effective those innings are going to be. Like, I know Gray's innings are going to be great. I mean, you just said it. Finished second in Cy Young voting last year. Doesn't happen by accident. Lennon Gibson innings, eh, you know, Wayno covered innings late in his career too. So I want to continue on that thread because I do think that there's a way for the Cardinals to get you guys on board. Not you specifically, T-Bone and Alex, but like the, the general Cardinals fan. And we'll get into that coming up on the other side. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service X line to get involved in the show. John Denton, Cardinals insider for MLB.com, will join the show coming up a little after 1130. But next, what do the Cardinals need to do to fill out this rotation in order to make you feel good about it heading into 2024. We'll discuss that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. BK works hard and knows his stuff, okay? But I would ask him this. Have you ever thought of Sonny Gray as a number one starting pitcher? I don't think that he disagrees with that at all. No. And that's what the Cardinals are signing him to be, is a number one starter. That ain't going to happen. Uh, unless he changes his stripes dramatically at the age of 34, Sonny Gray, unless they have some magic elixir to turn him into a number one, I don't see it happening because I've never seen it happen before. That was Randy Carricker earlier today on the morning show talking about whether or not the Cardinals have a number one starter right now. He's right. I don't think that Sonny Gray, like if you're going into a playoff series and Sonny Gray is starting game one for you, 
you're probably going to be at a disadvantage compared to whoever the nationally contender is that you're going up against with who they have on the mound. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. I think Sonny Gray is an overqualified number two and a slightly below what you're hoping for number one. It would be the way that I would phrase it. Because if you just look at the numbers, man, he does really compare with a lot of other number ones across Major League Baseball. His stuff, his ERA, all of that, it actually is right there. But when I think about Sonny Gray in my own mind, I don't put him in that criteria. And I don't know if that's me being unfair to Sonny Gray or if it's just like the reality of what it means to be Sonny Gray. I don't know. But however you view it, I do think that the Cardinals still need to add upside to their rotation. Even if you did concede on an argument about Sonny Gray being a number one, you don't have a number two on this staff. So in one way or another, you got to add more upside to this rotation. So with that in mind, we were thinking to ourselves before the show today, okay, what could they do if they weren't done now and they under-promised and over-delivered? And instead of going out and getting three starters, they actually ended up adding four. What would that look like now? There is a report that is out there. Now, I want to say that this, you take it with a grain of salt because this is coming from a couple of guys that, report for a uh, a website called MLB Nerds. Oh, reliable. <laughs> they did get it right that the Rays were a team to watch for Aaron Savali at the trade deadline. They were one of the first to report that. They've had some stuff on the Mets for an office. Like, they are apparently in the know. And also, when you just kind of start connecting the dots, what they said today makes a lot of sense. According to these guys, the Cardinals have been aggressively shopping Steven Matz. He recently, of course, signed the four-year, $44 million deal. We talked about this before the show today, T-Bomb. You mentioned this to us in the in the office. If the Cardinals wanted to go out and add, for example, Tyler Glass now, they probably need to remove some salary from the books. And if you're thinking about the Rays, honestly, as a pretty good spot for Steven Matz, you could probably include Matz in a deal for Tyler Glass now. And now you're talking about, okay, the money makes sense for the Cardinals. The Rays need pitching. They they don't have right now enough pitching to get through the 2024 season. They also need to shed salary. Adding a guy with multiple years of control in Steven Matz makes a lot of sense for them. Honestly, I think they could get a lot out of Steven Matz. I think he would be a great fit down there. If the Cardinals made a deal and they traded Steven Matz and then added Tyler Glass now to this rotation, I don't know what the bullpen ends up looking like because now you do have to probably trade for those pieces instead of signing them in free agency. But that is how you get on the path to me, not only looking at this offseason saying, man, pretty good. I could see how that ends up becoming an A plus offseason, depending on what they do in the bullpen. That is the path to it. Yeah, I I could see that as well as being an A plus. Again, it depends on what you do in the bullpen, because I think you need bullpen arms in plural, not just one, two. But it it makes sense to look at a potential Steven Matz deal. Remember, there was rumors around the trade deadline that they were kind of floating around that idea of trying to trade a Steven Matz. And if you look at him and you go, okay, well, he kind of fits in that same category as Lynn and Gibson. We just brought those guys in. Can we move him with another year of control, which teams will value? Everybody's looking for pitching, so a team, anybody. You can name any team across Major League Baseball outside of the poor Oakland Athletics, and they are looking for pitching. So it makes sense that some team may look at that and say, oh, you don't want his $12 million salary? That's the going rate for guys like Gibson and Lynn, who are number four starters. Yeah, we'll we'll take on that contract. You free up more money, and maybe he does end up going in a deal to Tampa Bay, and then he can still get that upside play from the Tampa Bay Rays. I I really like the idea of one one or the other here. 
trading Steven Matz to free up money and then going out there and finding that number one pitcher, whether it be Cease, Glass now, whatever you want it to be. But you still need upside in this rotation because it's still lacking a one or a two like they are right now currently. Or if you do want to go out there and maybe the wallet's opened up just a little bit more for you, I doubt that, but maybe it has. I do like the idea of still getting another starter that has upside, bring him in to be the one with Gray as the two. And then you could potentially even look at Matt's and say, hey, you've worked well out of the bullpen. Let's shift this $12 million. And instead of saying, okay, let's go sign a $12 million bullpen arm like Hicks probably will get this offseason, yep. let's just make Steven Matt's one of those bullpen upgrades and make him a $12 million high-leverage reliever because he's done it in the past, the last two years, and he's been pretty effective at it. Do you have names in mind that are that upside pitcher that you could get at a reasonable cost in terms of the money? Because like, if you're doing that and keeping Steven Matz as a bullpen arm, you probably have less than... $15 million to spin on whoever that upgrade is in your rotation. I mean, it would probably, then you probably would have to bite the bullet on the cease deal. And I don't know if they want to do that. I, I don't, because then you're talking Nolan Gorman. But I could see a path where I would say, you know what? If you're moving Matts in there, I can understand what you're doing. I like the idea. Now you have the one two punch of Cease and Gray, two guys that have been Cy Young finalists the last two years. Cease two years ago, Gray last year. So you've got the one two punch. And honestly, Cease's guy that went right was feared. I don't know if Gray. Sorry, but I don't know if Gray's ever struck fear into anybody. That's fair. Then you've got Michaelis as the three. You've got Gibson Lynn as the four or five. Like, that's a solid rotation. I still have questions what Gibson and Lynn give you, but you've already committed to that. I, I like the idea, potentially, of either moving Mats or pushing him to the bullpen, either or. I'll say this. that We, we always kind of talk about, we ish on John Mosellock, and we talk about Doug Armstrong. This is a Doug Armstrong type of move, if you're going to do that. Like you're looking at somebody who doesn't fit into your mold right now, and so you ship him out to bring somebody else in that's a better pitcher. That's a Doug Armstrong type of move. Do this I buy is what Army tried to do with Tory Krug? Do I buy that the Cardinals are going to do this? No, I, I don't because I can see the Cardinals saying, "No, we're good. We're good where we're at. We've got depth." But this is that type of move. I, I think you make this move only to trade for Glass now. I think he's the guy because I, if you, probably yeah, if you're doing something like this, it's because you know we've got to add more. It's because your budget isn't big enough to be able to fit in the $25 million salary for next year for Tyler Glass now. And if your budget isn't big enough, then, hey, the way that we make this work is pretty simple. Trade Steven Matz, bring in Tyler Glass now, and then we'll work stuff out for the bullpen with our excess in the outfield. The other way to do it is to what we just talked about with Matz going to the bullpen and trading for Manoa. And I know people don't like the idea of Alec Manoa because he was so bad last year, but this is the upside type of pitcher that you're hoping you can unlock the potential. And this is a guy who you're going to have for control for what is it? The next three to four years that pitch is like an ace. If you get him right. So people on the text line, bring up a fair question as well. And I don't think they're going to do this, but if they could add $25 million to the payroll for next year and you could do it for Tyler glass now, it's conceivable that they could also go out to the free agent market still and go back in on Yamamoto or on uh, Blake Snell if they were to make this move with Steven Matz. It, it's a fair point. I am highly skeptical that they'll do that and they'll commit $75 million to Sonny Gray and then spend $100 plus million on either Blake Snell or Yamamoto. I'm skeptical of that. But if they're willing to get creative like this and then they go make that kind of a big splash, man, again... That's the A-plus scenario going into this offseason. See, see, I think the Blake Snell ship has sailed because, to me, like you go to Sonny Gray because Blake Snell didn't sound like you wanted to sign in St. Louis. It goes back to most comments last week of, well, we want guys that want to be in St. Louis, not just because of money. I think that ship has sailed. The Yamamoto thing, sure, I'll keep some sliver of hope that that is there if you move on from Steven Matz. What would get me more optimistic is you don't move Matz unless you feel like you have a real good shot at acquiring that pitcher. See, I think you can do it either way. 
I like if you winded because if you ship out ten million dollars on Steven Matson, you just like if they shipped him out, got a whatever return, and you end up going and spending that money on Jordan Hicks, I think you might be better for next year. Like I think that might make you a better without team. bringing in a better starting pitcher. Sure. Uh, I don't know about that one. I'd be fine with it. If you just replace Steven Matz next year with Zach Thompson, do you guys feel significantly worse in the rotation? No, I but don't. I feel significantly worse because I'm relying heavily on Gibson and Lynn once again. And, well, but the, they're going to do that either way. And my more my concern would be now you've lost some depth too because now Thompson, instead of playing that as the number six, which I really like going into the offseason, is, hey, look, now I've got a guy that I know can be a starter for me if I need him and Zach Thompson well, now that's gone because he's slid into the rotation. Like, I don't know if you're much worse without Steven Matz. No offense to Steven Matz, but he hasn't been healthy. But I, I could see that scenario. I, I would much rather, if you're going to trade Matz, I'd still go get that top-end starter because I think you can trade with some of the assets you have and go get some bullpen My arms. My concern with this is the Cardinals view this as, well, Zach Thompson is better than Steven Matz, so we'll move Steven Matz, open up the money, and then, you know, sign a $5 million bullpen arm. But we're better because we've got Thompson in our bullp- or our rotation. Yeah, and I, I think they would still have more money than that to spend on one of those bullpen arms if they went that route. But, yeah, but you got to save money if you're the Cardinals. <laughs> He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kyler. I'm not going down that path again. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're getting There's into questions and answers. But truth. next, let's talk to John Denton, Cardinals insider for MLB.com. We'll throw this option down the, uh, his way. See if he thinks that it's a legitimate possibility for the Cardinals to shop uh, Stephen Matz. We'll also ask him what his reaction was earlier today when they decided to sign uh, Sonny Gray. We'll do all of that with John Denton coming up next year on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. BK, let's go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by John Ditton. He's the Cardinals insider for MLB.com. You can read his work over at Cardinals.com, and I'm sure I'll have something up on the Cardinals signing Sonny Gray, the news of the day. A three-year deal reportedly for $25 million per year. John, this is the move that we all kind of anticipated the Cardinals making at some point this offseason. What would you think when you saw today that they were officially making the move? Yeah, you know it's it's always a little jarring what you what you see it uh, officially come across, uh, you know. But I mean, give give the Cardinals credit. I mean, they went out and signed three guys, dependable, proven veterans. Uh, you know, I, I know Cardinal fans are are not happy that you know this is not Yamamoto or this is not Blake Snell, but they went out and signed you know 
maybe it's not the best they could have done, but it, but it's a really good start on, on making next season better because, you know, you're getting guys who, who go deep into ball games. You're getting guys who, who take the ball every fifth day. I mean, uh, you know, you know, with, with Lance Lynn and, and Kyle Gibson and, and now Sonny Gray, I mean, those guys have thrown, have made 30 starts in the season 16 times in their career. I mean, they're guys who pitch a lot of innings. They take the ball every day. So, you know, at least the Cardinals know now that they have three guys who are going to be ready every fifth day, uh, you know, and have proven success in their careers. It still feels like, John, though, that there's still something left to be desired, and I'm sure Cardinals fans are feeling this way as well. Do you see this team still needing that top arm for their rotation? Uh, needing, yes. Uh, I don't. I don't know that they're going to necessarily go get that. Uh, you know, I, I was told by a source this morning they're a long way from being done. Uh, you know, they still want to try to unclog the uh, the log jam they have in the outfield. They still know they need uh, you know relievers. Uh, John Gray and JoJo Romero were really good last season, but they still need a lefty reliever out of the bullpen. Uh, Jordan Hicks. I wouldn't be shocked if Jordan Hicks was back with the club. Uh, they had, you know, extension talks back in July before those broke down. They're going to add a couple of bullpen arms still. Uh, you know, who that is remains to be seen. I think they're going to trade uh, a couple of pieces, you know, probably in the outfield. Um, you know, maybe it's a swing man who could fill two roles, who could who could start some and come out of the bullpen some. Uh, I think they're out of the running for those, you know, those those big horses who are going to command $200 million. I don't think that's going to happen now, but I do think they're still going to be active uh, uh, next week in Nashville at the uh, winter, winter meetings. Uh, John, you mentioned some of the trade options for them. There was a report that came out this morning that they might consider also looking at moving uh, Stephen Matz this offseason. Uh, based on your own reporting, is that something you think the Cardinals will explore? I think they could, but you know, I don't know that the market is very high for Stephen Matz right now. Uh, you know, they, they still want a left-handed starter. Uh, they've always wanted a left-hand starter. That was, that went into, uh, signing Steven Matz a couple of years ago. You know, he's had, uh, you know, Steven Matz is, is one of the most confounding pitchers in baseball. He is one of the most talented guys, uh, just maybe the best athlete in the whole Cardinals clubhouse, but yet he can't stay healthy or he has one thing that goes wrong that, that sends his start over the edge. Uh, you know, I, I know they still want a left-hander in the bullpen, and I don't think Stephen Matz's market value is very high right now. So, I, I think they're going to, you know, want to want to take one more run with Stephen Matz. I would say that he's most likely still with the Cardinals uh, on, on opening day. If there was a market for him, John, and just out of curiosity, just to go down this path together. Um, if let's say the Rays were interested in him, they do need some starting pitching, and it looks like they're very likely to trade Tyler Glass now this offseason. Do you think that Glass now at $25 million, if the Cardinals were able to move off of the Steven Matz $11 million, is that something they could still add in their budget, in your opinion, or do you think that money is more earmarked towards the bullpen? Uh, yeah, I think the bullpen is their top priority right now. I think, you know, the Cardinals. Needed three starters. They got three starters. Did they get the three best starters? Of course not, you know. But did they fill three holes? Yes. Did they fill them with, with dependable, proven guys? Yes. Uh, I know the fans wanted Yamamoto. I know they wanted, uh, you know, Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery. But, you know, this is who they've got. And, and I really think that the focus now shifts to the bullpen. And it also shifts towards unclogging that outfield. You know, they. I don't, I don't think they can go into the – 
offseason with the same, you know, jammed up outfield. Uh, a couple of guys out there who need fresh starts. I think we all know the names there. Um, so I, I think the, the the focus totally shifts towards the bullpen now, and you know maybe uh, maybe unclogging that log jam in the outfield. Well, I blame Lars Nupar for the Yamamoto hope. He needs to stop taking pictures with them and talking about how their moms are best friends, John. Uh, <laughs> one more on on this rotation, John, and I, and I apologize for trying to to jam a round peg into a square hole. But you know we just talked about the potential of maybe using Zach Thompson as a bullpen arm if you still felt like you could go out and acquire another starting pitcher. Could that be an option for this Cardinals team, or are they focused more on uh, Matt's as the starting pitcher and trading for one of those bullpen arms? You know, I th- yeah, I, th- I think uh, I-, I think Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson could both be those swingmen. Uh, you know, unprompted out of nowhere at the winter meetings, John Mazelak mentioned that he really thought that Matthew Libertor did a great job coming out of the bullpen. Uh, you know, now he also said, I know he wants to be a starter, but he mentioned how good he was out of the bullpen. Uh, I, I, they, they value having swing guys who can, who could start or relieve. Uh, you know, I think, I think that's a perfect role for those two young guys. I just, I, I don't think they're going to be in the market anymore for starting pitching. I think this is kind of what they've got. And then you use, you know, those two young guys as, as fill in starters or depth starters. That sort of thing. I really think the focus now is going to be on the bullpen. Uh, you know, I know Cardinal fans want them to still be active and, you know, chase some of these guys in the trade market. But I, I think they have, you know, three of their starters going forward, and you're going to pair them with Stephen Matz and Miles Michaelis uh, next season. John Denton is our guest. You can read his work over at Cardinals.com. He has a piece up right now uh, breaking down the signing of Sonny Gray. Three years, $75 million is reportedly uh, what the terms are on that deal. John, when you look at this team then, and specifically the rotation, now that that is apparently assembled, how do you feel like it stacks up against the contenders across the National League? Is it good enough in your mind? I think they're good enough to win the National League Central now. I don't know that they're a legitimate World Series contender. Uh, You know, uh, the one thing is, if they're in it, instead of being out of it, they will be buyers at the trade deadline instead of sellers like they were this past season. Uh, You know, they're, you know, they they still have that feeling of, hey, just get hot and anything can happen. Like I said, you know, that, I know that's exactly not what fans want to hear. I think they're good enough to win the NL Central. I don't think they're good enough to, to win it all, uh, you know, especially if, if, if Otani ends up with the Dodgers, if the Phillies shock people and make another move. Uh, you know, I still think those two teams are better. The Braves are better. Uh, the Braves are going to do something this offseason. You know, Alex Andropolis uh, with the Braves cleared all that cap and cleared all those roster spaces. He's got something up his sleeve, and I, I wouldn't put it past the Braves making a big deal. Uh, yes, the Cardinals can win the NL Central, but I, I don't think they're legitimate World Series contenders at this point. John, we appreciate the time as always, man. Congratulations on adding another Tennessee guy to the mix inside of that clubhouse. I'm sure that's going to be something that uh, you will enjoy. Sonny Gray, also a very good quote. Uh, so they added a few of those going into this offseason as well. Appreciate the time as always. Enjoy yourself, my man. We'll talk with you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. Take See care. You, John. you got it. That's John Denton, Cardinals insider for MLB.com. You can read his work over at Cardinals.com. We always appreciate him joining us. Uh, it was late notice. We were able to reach out to him earlier this morning. Said happy to come on with you guys anytime. So huge thanks to John Denton for joining us today. All right. A couple of things here. One, um, I want to make this clear up front. John, at the beginning, was giving his reporting. 
and then at the end gave his opinion. His reporting is, it sounds like the Cardinals are done. His opinion is, that's not enough for them to win the World Series. I agree with both of those things, most likely. Like, Alex, you said in the last segment, you're skeptical that they're going to go out there and actually do anything. This is the Cardinals. Are they going to maybe explore the opportunity of trading Steven Matz? Sure. Do you think they're actually going to do it? Unlikely. I think that's probably true. I would also add this. If they don't end up making another move in the rotation, I agree with John Denton's sentiment. I think they're light. I don't think you have a legitimate, whether you want to call it a number one or a number two, I don't even care to fight it. Like they don't have enough front end starting pitching to be able to be a legitimate contender next year. Now, if you think they can win the NL Central, cool, that's fine. Do you guys know who won the NL Central this year? Didn't do a whole lot of anything in the postseason. You know why? Because the NL Central winner has done nothing in the postseason for the last four years. Who did win the Central? <laughs> Milwaukee. Yeah. Oh, well. And now they're blowing everything up. Yeah. Yeah. This division stinks, man. It has stunk since 2019. Like, the Cardinals getting to the NLCS basically ever since then. This division sucks in the postseason. Yeah, the Cardinals are Tom Brady of the NL Central. It's because what John Denton said is 100% correct. The Central Division teams basically look at it and say, hmm, if we get hot at the right time, we might be able to do a little something in the postseason. That's their opinion on the matter. Now, the Cubs might look at that a little differently this offseason if they get Shohei Otani, but... Right now, that's kind of where everything stands. So I think they need to add another starter. The way that you do it is by going out and making a move with Mats to get somebody else or by buying upside on a guy like Alec Manoa. I like that idea as well. I'm skeptical that they'll they'll do it, but if they want to get people really on board, that's probably the way they have to. I think both things can be true also that this – this rotation is much better than what they were last season because somebody texted in and said there's no way they're better than last year. They are because you didn't have three of your starting pitchers for a majority of last season. So you're better than what you were last year, but you're still not a World Series team. And somebody was pushing back because I'm always super negative about this Cardinals team. So true. It is. But I mean, I think it's fair when you look at the way they operate and they do operate just like John Denton said. Well, just got to be good enough to win the NL Central and then anything can happen. I'm sick of a team operating that way while other teams operate like we got to get to a World Series team. And I will say this. My my fear is right now they've operated, hey, th- this is what gets us to win the NL Central. Okay, sure, on paper right now, I would probably agree. Cardinals, probably the favorites to win the Central. Man, this is a this is not a sprint. This is a marathon in the offseason. And the Cubbies are not done. They haven't even done anything yet that I've seen. And I think the Reds, if they land a top starter, which I don't know if they will do, but if they did, I mean, I heard Jim Bowden on your guys' show yes, mm-hmm. or last week. The Reds are going to be the team to beat potentially for the next three to five years. The Cubs are going to be in that conversation depending on what they do this offseason. So I think there's a chance that right now we're looking at this, the first show past Thanksgiving, and saying, yeah, they right now – Add a couple bullpen arms, yeah, they'll be the favorites. I think there's a chance by the time we return from the new year, we're going, oh boy, they might be the third best team in the NL Central, and maybe if you squint, they're the second. And now you're talking about a wild card race, and that's something that then you're really going to come down to the wire and for. And that's a failed offseason. And somebody on the text line said, guys, last year the Cardinals had Montgomery and Flaherty. This is more or less the same rotation as last year. That is something that I'm just not willing to even entertain. It's not. No. They're better right now than they were last year. That also doesn't matter. Last year, you had a rotation that failed in epic proportions. Like, what you had last year is not the bar. Last year is one of the worst starting rotations in the history of the Cardinals organization. So, no, we're not comparing anything to that. But it feels like the Cardinals are. Maybe. The Cardinals are going to sit there and say, well, we're better than what we were last year. I don't think think it's that. I think they're looking at, okay, what was the lesson from last year? And we took just very different lessons. The Cardinals' lesson from last year was we had an innings deficit. Which, sure, yeah, that's true. But also you had a quality deficit. You weren't good enough in the rotation. 
And so when you go out there and you add Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, you're getting innings. But are they good enough innings? I I am skeptical of that. I think they would tell you, well, yeah, it helps because they're going to get deep into games and they're going to give up like three or four runs on average whenever they're out there starting. And if they go six or seven innings while they're out there and give up three or four runs, that saves our bullpen. It makes us better for the next day. And there may be some truth to that over 162. Here's the problem. When you get into the postseason and they're giving up four, five runs, and you're going shorter into the games, now their entire value is eliminated from you. They're going short, they're giving up runs, and you have nothing left. Like That is where the problems really start to exist, and it's a problem that the Cardinals have been running into for a decade. And they said they were going to modernize, and they did in some regards with Sonny Gray, but like Kyle Gibson is the most Cardinals of Cardinals pitchers. Lance Lynn is literally a former Cardinals pitcher. So it's hard for me to say that they learned in my opinion, the correct lessons from last year when this is what they go out there and do. Now, again, I'm going to leave this caveat. If they add another big-time starter, which right now, according to John Denton's sources, does not appear to be likely, but if they were to do that, I'll change my tune completely, and now we can have a different conversation. But based on what we know currently, I think the Cardinals fell short of what they needed to do in order to improve this rotation because the rotation is not supposed to be compared to what they had last year. That was nonsense, what they did last year in the rotation. The rotation needs to compare to that of the Phillies and the Braves and the Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres and the other legitimate contenders around the National League. Coming up next, questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 314-399-9646 is the air covered service text line for questions and answers from the 314. Guys, if the Cardinals ended up signing Woodruff and two bullpen arms, would you consider that to be a success? Who are the... Yeah, I mean... This year, I don't think it really matters because you don't even know if you're going to have Woodruff. The two bullpen arms really help. But next year, our team looks pretty damn good. If Woodruff comes back healthy and you got those bullpen arms, I, I just don't know if I would consider it a success for this season. I would not call it a success. I guess I would have to grade it on a sliding scale because I guess it would depend on... Well, no, I'm not going to grade it on a sliding scale. Forget that, actually. It would not be a success because Woodruff, probably not going to pitch... And maybe he does come back, but I've got serious concerns considering it's a shoulder injury, not Tommy John. You saw what a shoulder did to Jack Flaherty, who was an ace at one point. Um, I, I wouldn't call it a success because the whole goal in the offseason was to get two guys that upgrade over Miles Michaelis. And though Woodruff, on paper and in theory, would be that guy, he's recovering from a major surgery. So I don't think he can count towards that. So I would say... No, not a success. Probably a B, B minus. If you're asking that question, any move that makes this team a, a successful offseason, answer it with, do they look like a World Series contender? Because if no, then it's not a success. But you like Alec Manoa. Do you I, think that they I, look But like I don't think that's Series? a successful offseason. Oh, really? If Alec Manoa clicks, then it's probably a successful offseason. But I don't think it's successful on paper. If they were to add... Jordan Hicks trade for a bullpen piece that is the equivalent of what Giovanni Gallegos was when he got here and trade for Alec Manoa, you wouldn't consider that a successful offseason? I wouldn't, not until I see what Alec Manoa looks like. I would. I would consider that to be a success. I mean, you, if you add a high upside arm, I think what they're lacking right now is somebody with upside. 
Now, Woodruff, I don't think he's going to pitch next year. So I would not consider that to be a success. So I guess there's two qualifiers. Upside, available. <laughs> and some I, point and I have year. both of those questions. Doesn't to be opening day. But I have both of those questions with Manoa, too. I think Manoa's going to be available. Like, he's healthy. Well, there's questions as to whether or not he's going to be effective. Is he available yeah. to the point where the Cardinals actually want to pitch him in a I, game? I don't know. And that's that's a real question mark. But at least there's upside there. We saw it a year and a half ago, man. The guy was a an ace. He was starting in the All-Star game talking about uh, getting his punch outs with the microphone. And we were all like, God, this guy is one of the biggest stars in baseball right now with how entertaining he is during the games along with dominant so if he can become that player again and i don't know if he can or not i think it's worth the risk oh um, absolutely if they were to try to get tyler glass now if they made the moves that we were talking about of trading steven Matz and then going and acquiring uh glass now or if it was in the same move yeah that that would make it a success but available Upside. Those are the two things that I believe they still need in the rotation. It doesn't have to be available opening day, but can you expect 15 quality upside starts out of them? If you can do that, I can convince myself how that would be something that they're missing right now. See, and I, I still think they need that top end arm, but I, I wouldn't say they need a upside guy. Like I don't view, I know I view glass now differently. I know you probably maybe throw him into that upside category because he deals with injuries. Um, I, I would I would not want a Manoa in this rotation just because it is a unknown. It is a, okay, sure, if it does go well, look at the upside, you've got that Cy Young guy. I view it a lot differently to where I bring him in and I go, well, I didn't really do much at all to really upgrade the rotation. Like, you need certainty up awesome. at the top of the rotation. And I know Glass now deals with injuries, and he may only start 18 games. But, God, those 18 games are going to be awesome, and you've got a true guy that people fear once he takes the mound. So Manoa could be that, that guy, though. Manoa could be that guy that you fear. You just have to hope you unlock that potential. Right, but what T-Bone is saying is talking about, like, I I see what you're saying with Glass now. The certainty with Glass now is that when he is on the mound, you know exactly what he's going to be, and he's going to pitch like an ace. That In that regard, he's like Jacob deGrom light. When deGrom's on the mound, you know what he's going to be. He's going to be one of the best pitchers in the history of Major League Baseball. The problem is, it's like, you know, um a solar eclipse sighting. Like, it's incredibly rare that you end up seeing him on the mound same thing is true for Tyler Glass now. You can expect like 12 starts from him next year. When he's out there, it's going to be awesome. He's not out there very often. With Manoa, I have no idea what he's going to be next year. You can tell me right now he's a Cy Young candidate next year, and I totally get it. I don't think that's crazy. You could also tell me he starts five games in Major League Baseball and spends the rest of the year in AAA, and I would also totally believe it because that's how wide the range of outcomes is for Manoa at this point in his career. So I get what you're saying there. Um... I am less about it has to be this and more about, hey, man, can, can you at least shoot for some upside? Because right now you have Sonny Gray. I, I like Sonny Gray. He's really nice. But you That was a necessity. Yeah. Now you got to go out and get the second guy to pair with him at the front end of your rotation because the World Series contenders, they've all got two guys that fit into that kind of criteria. I could buy into Manoa. I could buy into Glass now. You could convince me on somebody else, throw names at me. I'm willing to listen. I don't, I Snell certainly fits into that criteria. I don't think there's anybody else on the free agency market that does. No. Uh, Cease is a guy that would fit into the upside class. Other than that, man, I, I don't know who else is reasonably, realistically available that fits into this upside category. All right, last thing here, Alex. The Blues struggled in a couple of the games that we saw. Now, they technically won the one against Arizona. It's a wild game. <laughs> Found a way to win it. Both teams are ready for Thanksgiving before puck drop. What's your level of concern right now with Benner? Uh, zero. I 
I, I think what Benner went through was the defense completely breaking down and re- re- resorting back to what last year was. I Those, what was it, four games, I guess, five games from that San Jose Sharks game up until that last game prior to Chicago. Um, they allowed 24 goals and 18, or I'm sorry, 22 of those 24 goals they allowed were what the Blues call in the house, where if you draw a line from the faceoff dots and then down to the goal, all of those 22 of those 24 goals were given up in that area. They don't give those up. And when they do give those up, any goaltender's letting those in. So I, I but think Benner wasn't earlier this year. No, he was. They weren't giving up those shots earlier this year. They were keeping it to the outside. I disagree. I think they were not to the same degree. I, like last year was way worse. They than were what. not giving up scoring chances from below the faceoff dot right in front of the crease. They were not, not to the same level as last year, but, but one not right in front of the net. And okay. if you go back and look at those games, I promise you, because I looked this up on before that Chicago Blackhawks game, all of those goals, 22 of those 24 were between the two faceoff dots and the crease. And that I just view it as the defense broke down and the Blackhawks game. They looked a little bit better than that. They did. Um, ben, I am not terrified. I, I do have some concerns uh, because we've seen this been our last year. First 14 games of the season. Awesome. 2.6 goals allowed per game. The next 12 from him, 3.6 goals allowed per game. And that was the start of what was a decline phase for him this year. First 12 games of the season, 922 save percentage last three games, 835 save percentage. Now, a lot of work is being done there by really one bad game. So I am my scale of one to 10 level of concern is like five right now. It's not serious, but I am very curious to see how he bounces back from this and to see if the defense bounces back because it has been a very up and down nature to everything about this team. Early on in the season, the offense was abysmal. It's gotten better lately. Can they find a way to find their level, dude? Just with everything kind of playing at a a B level for a sustained period of time. Right now, they haven't really been able to do that. So um, I'm not freaking out by any stretch of the imagination. I do have more concern, though, than Alex does, which makes sense. We also came into the season. Our priors on Bennington were a little different as well. (laughs) Coming up next, the Cardinals deserve credit for jumping the market. Now, bidding the Braves, question mark. Some are wondering. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Now you start to think about putting together a better and deeper rotation that can give you a chance against that central, especially when you see a team like the Brewers maybe taking a step back. Them going and getting Sonny Gray might possibly be one of the most underrated moves that this team makes all offseason. That was Xavier Scruggs, former Cardinal on MLB Network Radio earlier today, reacting to the news of the day, Alex, that the Cardinals has Cardinals have signed Sonny Gray to a three-year contract worth $75 million. It's $25 million AAV for Sonny Gray. 
Alex, we all kind of thought that the Cardinals would end up making this move. We talked about it in what? June? That Sonny Gray made all the sense in the world for the Cardinals as an offseason target in 2023. The problem is we also thought maybe they would go out and make a big trade or add Sonny Gray and another, not front-end starter, but mid-tier starter. And they haven't really done that. They've set themselves up to kind of be in a similar spot next year to what they were at this year in terms of adding more quantity to the rotation if the young guys don't take that step forward. So I think one of the questions that some are asking right now is, do they deserve credit for this? They jumped the market, man, in a way that, honestly, I'm surprised by. I didn't think they were going to get this much done this early in the offseason. They have now added three starting pitchers when most teams have done nothing so far other than non-tender players or maybe make a roster move in terms of the 40-man roster that clears up some spots. Well, that all-inclusive is calling your name pretty quickly. You don't have sure. to do anything until the winter meetings. They can go and hang out in Aruba Sip for the on next those week. those mo ties. 100%. So I do think they deserve some credit. For that, and especially on this signing with Sonny Gray, I think they deserve credit for two things. One, jumping the market. Two, I believe they outbid the Braves. I genuinely believe that the Braves were the other team that was interested in Sonny Gray. All of the reporting indicated that they were interested in him and they turned their attention to Sonny Gray after they lost out on Aaron Nola. So why is this a three-year, $75 million deal? I think that the Braves were bidding 23. That's what everything suggested that the market was going to be for him. And the Cardinals came in and beat it. They beat the offer. And if that is the case, hey, man, if we're going to criticize them all the time, fairly, justifiably so, for coming in second place when they need something, I also will give them credit for going out there and making the move that was necessary by beating an offer from another contender for a legitimate, capable front-end starting pitcher. Now, that does not mean that they deserve all the credit in the world and that nothing else they've done has been a mistake. I think they also made a mistake in signing two guys for the back end of their rotation when they should have waited this thing out and seen what else presented itself later on in the offseason. So both of those things can be true simultaneously. But Alex, do you think they deserve credit for jumping the market and on the Sonny Gray deal outbidding a team like the Braves for his services. Yeah, I mean, I give them credit on the Sonny Gray side of things because what do we always say about the Cardinals? Well, they're not going to win a bidding war for a certain pitcher. Maybe it's not the type of pitcher we thought they were going to win a bidding war with, but they still did win a bidding war, and it was against a team or at least a couple of teams that were considered playoff contenders, World Series contenders, however you want to label it, and the Cardinals went out and they paid the money what they thought he was worth. So I will give them credit for that. What I won't give them credit for is jumping the market on three pitchers where I don't know if you needed to do that to where, yeah, you wanted the innings and yeah, you got Lynn and Gibson as Mo said before anybody else jumped in on the market to sign those guys. But I, I feel like you, you jump the market in terms of over excitement of, well, we need to get starting pitching and we need to get it before everyone else jumps into the pool and let's just go get these guys. And now you have the three pitchers that you said, and you say, okay, well, we're good to go now. Whereas if you just would have gotten Sonny Gray, you could have done the Sonny Gray deal if you jumped the market around the same time you did with Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson and said, okay, what's that one more move that we need? The part that Xavier Scruggs said there was a part that I'm very skeptical over. Okay, yeah, you've set yourself up to now make that next big move to put yourself into those conversations But to me, the Cardinals are going to sit back and say, no, our offseason's done. We'll wait and see what else comes to us. But for right now, we're in a good position. Yeah, I 
I have a tough time giving them a ton of credit for the winning the bidding war over Sunny Gray because it's in the market they typically shop in, which is that second tier. Had they done this in like the top tier and they went out and they won a bidding war for, I don't know. It was very Dexter Fallery. Yeah. It, like if they would have won a bidding war for like a Blake Snell or had Nola not decided to stay home in Philadelphia and they outbid the Braves for him. Yeah, I'd give them their credit because that's not only winning a bidding war, but also going into that top tier that the Cardinals haven't shopped in in for some time. This feels like, and this isn't a shot against great because I do genuinely like this signing and I do like this contract. This feels like winning a bidding war at like the bargain bin shop, you know? Like, I just, there's some credit to be given to it, but it's it's not like you're winning the top dogs in free agency. It is very Fowler-like, and to the point of jumping the market. I kind of agree with Alex. Like, I, I guess I'll give him credit for getting three guys done before you get to the winter meetings. But now you're without flexibility. Like, you, you haven't even gone into the winter meetings yet, and you don't know. Maybe there's that surprise pitcher that's available. Maybe Logan Gilbert is available. And they said, Mariners have talked about it. They said, no, we're willing to shop him. Well, well, we got the three guys in the rotation. I, I give him some credit to it, but I think they went overboard in jumping the market with the two five starters that they signed in Gibson and Lance Lynn. If you did just one of those, I'm totally fine with it. It feels like you went from Walmart's movie bargain bin shopping to Target. And like, oh, cool. Well, we upgraded. Did you, though? Uncle Buck would have been at both of them. I think, I think they upgraded. Um, I, I think they're better in a significant way today than they were going into last season. Oh, I mean upgraded in terms of what you typically do in the offseason. Like you said, Dexter Fowler, this also feels kind of like a Mike Leake signing. Oh, no. I, I No. No. Absolutely not. Anybody that's comparing Sonny Gray to Mike Leake needs to be checked for something being wrong in the head. Mike Leake was not a good... Mike Leake was similar more so that to like a Stephen Matt Steele. That's the comp for, for Mike Leake. They way overextended for a guy that had never proven himself to be particularly good. Um, that was That was a weird signing from the moment that they made it. When the Cardinals signed Mike Leake... His ERAs in the previous years were 3-7-3-7-4-5-3-8-4-3. Like, they signed him because of this. 190, 215, 190, 180, 170 innings. Hmm, still value innings to this That's day. That's what they signed How'd Mike that work Leak out for. for him? Terrible. <laughs> but the problem is that was a five-year deal worth $80 million. They signed Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson to a combined basically one-year $23 million deal. That Those two things are not the same. So I... I do not think that it is fair at all to compare. Mike Leake had, I would guess, never received a Cy Young vote in his entire major league career when the Cardinals signed him. Sonny Gray's been a Cy Young candidate three different times, finished in the top seven three different times in his major league career. So that's, I think that's wildly unfair to compare those two signings. The only thing they have similar is that they both played for the Reds at one point. And I think they were both in the second tier. That would be the only thing that I would throw in. At the time, Leake was in the second tier of that free agent grouping. That that's the only similarity I, think we're just I would value say. Pitching differently then, and that's why he was in the second tier. If Mike Leake was available this offseason, we'd be looking at it and saying, "Sure." No, I'd be going like he's no. young Kyle Gibson. That's all he was. He was young Kyle Gibson, and he got five years to be that for you. If you want to sign young Kyle Gibson to a five-year, eighty million dollar deal, dude, that is not what you do in twenty twenty-three. What was that? Twenty sixteen. If you want to do it then, sure. We value pitching in a very different way today. So sorry for snapping at you. I've seen that on the text line a bunch. It's like, that's absurd. The idea of that being the comparison between those two is completely unfair. Um, Can I give you guys the current projections for the Cardinals rotation heading into 2024? And you tell me if you'd sign up for this from them. Oh, boy. Yeah, okay. 
I'll, I'll Alex is mad at me because I, I pushed back on that. Um, Sonny Gray, 182 bad. innings, 3.8 ERA, three wins above replacement is what Fangraphs is currently projecting for him. That sounds like sounds a number like two. Sounds like a number one. Uh, Miles Michaelis, 195 innings, a 4.5 ERA with 2.1 wins above replacement. Sounds like a number four. <laughs> Lance Lynn, 180 innings, 4.3 ERA, two wins above replacement. Sounds like a number 41 four. 41 runs allowed. Uh, Kyle Gibson, 175 innings, a 4.3 ERA, 2.1 wins above. Sounds like a number four. Steven Matz, 140 innings, a 3.99 ERA, and two wins above replacement. Sounds like a number four. There's a lot of... So you went from having a season where you had three guys who were number fives to a season where you have three guys as a number four. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like an upgrade. Now you know why. It's an underwhelming offseason. Yeah, we're all in the same place with this right now, I think. I think the difference between our opinions of what the Cardinals offseason is is less about where it is right now and more about what it can become. I think that's like the trajectory of the offseason from here can take multiple different paths. And I think we all disagree on kind of what what that means for them. Like, Alex, you you like Manoa, but you still think that'd be underwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. I like Manoa. And if they add him, I'd be like, okay. It's like a solid B of an offseason with, with the additions of the bullpen arms as well. And T-Bone, you look at that and you're like, that's a failure. F. F, F. minus. It's terrible offseason. With Tyler Glass now, I'd look at that and be like, you probably get an A for an offseason of this plus Tyler Glass now and whatever bullpen pieces you're able to add at that point in time. So it, it's just a difference in the trajectory from here. But the current offseason, I think we're all what? C? D? I, I would say C. I don't think you can get lower than that when you get Sonny Gray, but C would feel about right for me. It's like C minus. I think you you you're borderline slightly below expectations. You're borderline D for me. And I I think the frustration part is is it's like doing the bare minimum to get better, not from last year as a whole, but like look at the upgrades that we you needed to go from. Okay, how do you improve upon Adam Wainwright? Well, basically any starter would have been better than Adam Wainwright. No offense to Wayne on his final year. All right, how do we upgrade over Jack Flaherty? Okay, just about any starter could have been better than Adam Wainwright, or excuse me, than Jack Flaherty. Well, that upgrade was Kyle Gibson. Okay, um, and then the upgrade over Jordan Montgomery was Sunday Gray. Okay, that one I kind of like. Like I, th- I would rather have Gray over Montgomery. But looking at like the rest you did, it's just, like I look at that rotation, I go, man, it, Cubs make their upgrades, Reds make their upgrades. I'm sorry, you're the third best team in the Central, and I can't get that excited about it because that rotation four year or four year four year, that's not good enough. Some of the other teams in the NL Central also have similar rotations right now like what are the cubs having their rotation right now that's really exciting i said if they do yeah, right now they're upgrading talk to me oh, yeah. the there's, there's not over. much out there man the pitching is drying up quickly there are not a whole lot there's not a lot of pitching to go around like blake snell's gonna sign somewhere and then you're gonna look around and be like okay there's jordan montgomery and eduardo rodriguez mo's gonna be over that's here it. going we have mats hey we'll trade mats <laughs> I, I actually like th- that is one place where i actually disagree with john Denton a bit i think mats will have a market yeah i think there will be teams that look to the cardinals and say who buddy we missed out on some of the like the Kinta Maeda signing for somebody is going to be a really big deal and they're going to look around like somebody like the minnesota twins for example who don't have a lot of money to spend this offseason they're gonna be like 11 million bucks Decent starting pitcher, projections show 140 innings, a sub-4 ERA. We can use that right now. That feels good for us. The Tampa Bay Rays, they trade Tyler Glass now. They're looking at their rotation, thinking to themselves, ooh, man, we do not have a lot of projectable innings right now in this rotation. Somebody's going to look at Steven Matz if the Cardinals legitimately make him available and say to themselves, yeah, he, he helps us. 
he makes us better than what we are currently, even though right now here in St. Louis, we're looking at it and saying, man, that's a guy that you have in your rotation. Um, it's it's not a great rotation by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I think you'll probably end up being the favorite in the NL Central, barring Shohei Otani going to the Cubs. That's the one thing that could obviously change this in a significant way because it's Shohei bleeping Otani. Yeah, I'll bet now they're not the favorite. <laughs> He's Alex Ferrario. That's Cena Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, we'll get to in or out here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Come on, man. Are you in or are you out? It's in or out with PK and Ferrario. Three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service text line for in or out. You give us a scenario. We'll tell you if we're in or out here on BK and Ferrario coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll dive into the junk drawer with a story that I wonder what Alex would do if he was in this situation. Oh, An NFL boy. commentator Complain. got himself into a, uh, a sticky situation over the weekend. Oh, I know what we're talking so about. We'll get too. into that coming up here in just a little bit, but right now it is time for in or out. Guys, in or out, when the Cardinals get to the end of the offseason, we'll look at their rotation and say to ourselves, that might actually end up being a top five rotation in the National League. Uh, I'll say I'm in top five in the National League. I could see that being the case, but I think there's going to be a clear cut difference between like the top two and three and then four and five. But I'll say I'm in on this one because as we were just going through and as we talked about, there's just not a whole lot going on. But I do think a lot of these National League teams are going to enter the trade market. Not being the Blues or the Cardinals or the Blues or the Blues. Um, Phillies will be up there. Braves will be up there. Marlins could still be up there. Uh, who knows? That or somehow will make it up there potentially. Um, I'll say I'm in, I guess. It'll be fifth, and it won't be a pretty fifth. So, sure, why not? I'll be positive. Dude, the uh, the projections for these teams are rough. Like, rough in a significant way. Baseball has a pitching problem. Like, there is just not enough quality pitching to go around. We were talking about this a little bit in the last segment, and we are thinking about, okay, what what are these other teams around the Cardinals going to do? As you look at some of the starting pitchers that remain, and T-Bone, you mentioned this during the break, are we going to see a bunch of these these lower-level starters sign before even we get to the winter meetings? I, I think the answer is probably yes. There, there's just not a ton of top-end starters. Like The best starters, according to the projections, that remain right now. The above average ones, according to fan graphs. Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Eduardo Rodriguez, Marcus Stroman. That's it. And of those guys, I would say just Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery changed you in a meaningful way. I don't think Eduardo Rodriguez is going to sign somewhere and we're all going to be like shaking our boots about what he's going to mean for another rotation. I don't think it should shock anybody if next year you end up seeing something better out of uh, what's Gibson than Eduardo Rodriguez. I wouldn't project it, but it's at least in the realm of possible. I was going to say, Eduardo Rodriguez might be a better two on another team than the Cardinals number two. Uh, may, maybe. I, I don't know, though. Like, Eduardo Rodriguez is fine. But he had a 4-0 ERA in 22, a 4-7 ERA in 21, and didn't pitch in 20. It's 
past season he was really good, but it's had some down years for him as well. Like you could make a case that Miles Michaelis is a better starting pitcher than Eduardo Rodriguez. And they're similar in that they don't strike a lot of guys out. So um, I'll say yes, I'm, I'm in. I think that they are going to end up having a top five rotation, but that speaks more to Major League Baseball than it does what the Cardinals have done this offseason, in my opinion. Developing pitching really well in the minor leagues right now around Major League Baseball, so I've oh, heard. Don't get me started. <laughs> in or out, guys, Jake Neighbors finishes the season with more than 20 goals. Ooh, that's a fun one. What's he at right now? Six? Seven. Seven? Yeah. He's projected for 34, I think. Oh, well, he'll definitely get there. I'll say in because there's so many games left that, I mean, to get 13 in the next 50 feels very possible. You know, he's got the ninth best shooting percentage in the NHL. Well, that's that's not good. No. Um, well, that is, that's Ivan Barbashev. He thing. doesn't shoot the puck a lot, but when he does, it's literally high danger scoring chance right in front of the net. Yeah. And... That, that'll probably drop. He'll be below 20%, I would assume, by the end of the season, most likely. Um, but re- regardless, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say in. I think he ends up with 20 goals this season. Got off to such a hot start, it's hard not to. Yeah, I'll say I'm in on it. I think he'll probably be right around there. I don't think he'll get to that 30-goal mark that he's on pace for. But, man, he goes he goes to the spots where Craig Bruby's been begging players to go for the last, <laughs> like, three years, which is go park yourself in front of the net and good things will happen. Look at the game against the Blackhawks yesterday. Goes to the front of the net. Puck just happens to poke free. Where's he at? Right there. Scores a goal. So yeah. I'll say I'm in. I can see him getting 20 goals. And he's creating his own breakaways too, which is just odd to say with a guy like Jake Neighbors. I think we all assumed he was slow and doesn't look that way. I'll say I'm in on this one also. I, I think he could push 25 plus if he play if he continues to play on this top line with Thomas and Buchnevich. Timo? Guys, in or out. Cardinal starting pitcher this year will receive a Cy Young vote. Ooh, out, out. <laughs> I don't oh, think come on, man! Like You're that. the big Sonny Gray. He just finished second. Yeah, but yeah, no. Buy high, man. Buy high. That's what the Cardinals did. They bought as mm. high as you possibly can on an asset. They could not be buying at a more inopportune. Listen time. to these. All these pitchers that you could choose for the Cardinals to receive a Cy Young vote. Yeah. Kyle Gibson. Uh-huh. Lance Lynn. Uh-huh. Miles Michaelis. Uh-huh. Been there, done it. I think Kyle Steven Gibson Matt, gets a Cy Young vote. And Sonny Gray. I think Kyle I Gibson gets a sunny, uh, Cy Young vote. And they're going to trade for Tyler Glass now. Go make it happen. Lance Lynn received a vote at some point, right? Yeah, that was the year that it was the first year in the White Sox or second year with the White Sox. I think 2020 he did. Yeah, he got third. He was third, sixth, fifth in three separate wow. seasons um, for the Cy Young yeah. voting. Anything below five doesn't matter. Miles Michaelis had it. Wow. Man, Gibson has never received a Cy Young vote. Oh, this will be the year. But was an all-star. Hasn't he been, like, above league average by ERA And we talked about this. He was an all-star on a team that somebody had to be named an all-star from it. Mm. True. I mean, this guy Um, gave up four home runs in a row to the Cardinals. T-Bone, to your point on Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson's ERA plus. Again, league average is 100. Anything above that is that percentage above league average. Unfortunately for Kyle Gibson, anything below (laughs) that is that percentage below league average. Since 2019. 94, 84, 117, 79, 87. Yeah. And that 117 a- was really boosted by his first half of the season when yeah. he had a 2-8 ERA for Texas. The second half when he was traded for Philly, that was the year that we broke into the show with yeah. breaking news. He's for returning Kyle from an injury. Yeah. He had a 5.1 ERA in the second half. Man, of that we season. broke into the middle that- of a segment for a 5-1 ERA. No, at yeah. that point in time, he had a 2-8. <laughs> oh, so you BKO'd the rest of his season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, I think we should have warned That's him before he signed here. That's the only time he's here. been above league average, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, in the last, since 2019, yes. Go Cards. <laughs> but and I'm yeah, the negative and one. And you wonder why I feel so bad about this rotation. But at least they got the uh, attitude of Lance Lynn in this lineup. 
314-399-9646 is the air comfort service X line. We'll get to a couple of these in or out here on 101 ESPN. In or out, Juan Soto will be the biggest player traded by the end of the offseason. I'll say him in because I'm not sure unless Corbin Burns get traded, but I feel like Juan Soto might be bigger than Corbin Burns. I don't know who could be traded that's bigger unless like Tatis Jr. gets traded. Mike Trout. That'd be fun. Well, Mike Trout would be. He's old and washed up. Doesn't matter anymore. True. We wouldn't want him here. Um, Can't even play center field. I'd say I'm in on that. I I think he's going to get done. He's going to be a Yankee. He screams New York Yankee. So... I'm in. I, I can't see, to Alex's point, I can't see a bigger name being dealt this offseason. Sweep season. it. I don't think Mike Trout's going to get traded. I think there will come a point in time during the winter meetings where you see one of those loose reports where it's like, hey, the Angels are actually exploring whether or not they should trade uh, Mike Trout. Wanna... And if Shohei signs elsewhere, that will be when it comes out that this is on their horizon. Um, but they're not going to do you it. You want to attach a name to who tweets that out? <laughs> J.P. Morosi. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. That way we're all thinking oh, yeah. the same name. Okay, good. And I like Morosi, but he's definitely going to be the one that does it. Yeah. Uh, BK, in or out, Mizzou into lane in a bowl game. Out. Could not be more out. That would be the worst case scenario. One, because Tulane's legitimately really good. And two, because if Mizzou wins, there's zero upside. Go play a name brand. I don't care if you play in the Peach Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, or the Fiesta Bowl. Those are the three real options for Mizzou. Go play a name brand. Just do not get the group of five. I don't need Liberty. I don't need SMU. I don't need Tulane. Those are the three options that are on the table, depending on what happens this weekend. No, no, no. Could not be more out. Good news, though, is if they do play Tulane, then they are the what Eli Drinkwitz called them in America's team. Because I don't think Tulane would be America's team. Yeah. Oh, I disagree. The group five team's always America's team. Tulane? I root for the group of five. Tulane's in always. Ohio, right? No, it is in uh, New Orleans. No idea. Oh, yeah. Really? Right. Tulane, yeah. The Green Wave? You thought the Green Wave was coming I could have sworn to. I could have. <laughs> is there a Tulane, Ohio? Hold on. I think so. Toledo, I think is what you're Toledo. probably thinking. Toledo. Where's Liberty at, by the way? Uh, I want to say. New it's... York. Statue of Liberty. Virginia. Man, is I could have Virginia. I, I could have sworn Tulane was in Ohio. I'm I in, it was in on Philadelphia, this. I, but it's I, in. I, I want to see Mizzou play a group of five just so I can see BK be frustrated the next day oh, and complain about it. God, give a, me Liberty or give a, me no ball. It was death. I know, but we had to change it. I do not need that. I do not need that in my life. God. Please don't do that. What a boring bowl game on paper. I mean, they're hey, all boring. Mizzou versus Tulane. T- Tulane's good, man. Like they're they almost beat Ole Miss. Yeah. Their coach should get a big-time job this offseason. Um, I think he'll probably be a candidate at Houston is is likely where he'll end we, up. We Willie Fritz. Huh? We said big-time Yeah, big-12 job, man. Willie Fritz is like 65. Uh, he's, he's not going to get... Give him the know. Duke job. That'd be a good spot for him. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, the Blues can't find a way to win with their C game. And I don't think I've heard anybody explain this Blues season better than what Tori Krug had to say about it the other day. We'll let you hear what he said next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. So the Blues can't seem to find a way to win with their C game. And that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, potentially. But Alex, I think we've seen a few times this year where they come out, they're slow, the other team gets a lead, and then boom, it just it's it hasn't been the snowball effects that we saw last year in terms of game over game, like one game to the next carrying over, but in game, they see they can't seem to stop the bleeding. 
And I thought Tori Krug did a really good job of being able to kind of break down exactly what it is that he's seeing from a 10,000 foot view over the weekend. He said this, and I believe this came from uh, Jeremy Rutherford's piece over uh, over the weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Quote, you look at the top echelon teams in the league, they're winning with their C games. I don't know if anybody expects us to be able to win with our C game, but I think at least our B game has to be there every single night. If we don't have our legs or if we don't have our hands one night, we have to have something that we can fall back on, and that's got to be our defensive structure. Right now, we have nothing to fall back on, and you're seeing that end up with a lot of goals against. Now, this came after a couple of really bad games when it came to their defensive structure, Alex, I think he's totally correct, and it's something we talked about earlier this year where it's like, okay, what is their thing? A couple of years ago, it was defensive structure. They, they played really well. They got the four check, and this is the team that ended up losing in the postseason to the Colorado Avalanche. Last year, while the defensive structure sucked, at least you had the goal-scoring production that was up there. Now, a terrible team, but they had the goal-scoring that was there most nights. This year, it's been something different seemingly every night, and that's not always a bad thing because they've had, for the most part, something one night it's goals, one night it's defensive structure, one night it's Jordan Bennington just stands on his head or Joel Hofer stands on his head. I think he's right, though, that they've got to be able to develop something that is there every single night for them. And so far, I don't know that they've gotten there. Yeah, I think the key to what he said is the top tier teams are winning with their C games. And he's right. And I don't think any of us viewed the Blues as to being one of those top tier teams. If you look at the teams that are around the same mark as the Blues, they've had to win with their A games. Like Nashville, who's on a hot streak right now, they played their A game hockey over the last five or six games. I think the Blues showed what their C game looks like against the Arizona Coyotes when they won six to five. And that C game the fallback there was offense. I'm not sure you can continue that all season. The fallback is absolutely their defense. The problem for this Blues team is when they get to their C game, defense goes out the door because all they're trying to do is score goals, score goals, score goals. That Nashville Predators game, I thought, was the prototypical example of what Krug was talking about. So you get down by two goals and you're thinking, okay, we still have a chance in this one, but you break away from this defensive structure that has done so well for you of not allowing those odd man rushes in the sustained zone time. But instead of doing that and sticking to what's worked, you went for all onslaught offense. And the fourth goal that really put that one away uh, against the blues with Nashville was a game where Justin Falk jumped up to the blue line to try and keep a puck alive. And it bounced over a stick and went the other way. And when this team gets over aggressive on the offensive side, they break away from what their fallback is and that's why this is kind of turning into the roller coaster season that it is. So if they fall back when the offense might not be there or one bad goal gets through or, you know, one breakdown happens, the fallback that Krug was talking about needs to be, okay, back to our structure of eliminating those kind of scoring chances. But they're just not doing that right now. Can they? Is this team capable of that? Because <laughs> while we've seen it in moments, I don't think we've seen it for sustained stretches this year. We saw against Vancouver and Colorado, back-to-back games, five, four goals against. We saw it against San Jose and L.A. on the road, five, five goals against. And then over the weekend, we saw it against Arizona, five and eight goals against. It feels like for for a couple of games here and there, that's, I mean, that's six games already, and we're only 20 games into the season It's a third of the, your year where it's like, whoa, that is basically what you were defensively in – 35% of the games that you've played so far this year, they don't seem to be consistent with it. Now, it's better. It is obviously a massive improvement from where this team was a year ago. 
But they, can they be more consistent with it in your mind? I, I I still wonder that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, as of right now, no, they can't because in games when they get down, they're done. Like there's no coming back. That Arizona Coyotes game. To be fair, the only reason they were back in that hockey game was because their penalty kill got back-to-back shorthanded goals. Otherwise, you're talking about giving up two goals in less than 45 seconds, and you're probably talking about a defeated team. But they got those back-to-back penalty kills where they scored goals, and you're thinking, okay, well, we're back in this one. But so far this season against these competent teams, the Predators one is probably the most frustrating because that's the team you're measuring up against. And Nashville just blew you out of the water there. But no, I mean, to ask, can they right now? I haven't seen it yet. Um, JR in his piece today of kind of going through the the 10 things that he's seen and what he know, what he believes what he's seeing uh, he talked about how look in this situation you got to look towards the leadership that's in the locker room to figure out okay when the head dip moment comes or when one thing goes against our team let's put it back into perspective but if you've got guys who are trying to do too much individually then that's where things fall apart but it's a building team this is the retool process sure. to where right now you fixed one area of your of your struggles, now you got to fix this area, and it's but yet to be seen. What area would you say they fixed? The ability to get back into a hockey game. The ability to stop teams from pouring it on when you fall apart. You think they fixed that? No, uh, they fixed their defensive structure. They fixed okay. that from last year to this year. That's the one step in the retool process. But now the next step is the mental strength of saying, okay, one goal got us down, but let's put it back into perspective and get back in the hockey game. Yeah, I, I guess my fear is like, Maybe not fear. I, everything that we talk about with the Blues this year is with the backdrop of me and Alex, I think you too, understanding what this season is. So, this is them trying to get things back to respectability after what was obviously an incredibly frustrating season for everybody involved a year ago. So that's the backdrop to all of this. So it it's almost hard to even say some of this stuff because, frankly, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But I don't know that they do have their defensive structure that they can lean back on. I think it's there a lot of nights. I don't know that it's always there. But they know it works. And that's what you fall back on. Like, hey, we know that if we play the way that we're supposed to, it works. Because we shut down Colorado. We shut down New Jersey. We shut down some really good teams. For sure. But the problem is when we get in what, that's the problem. They get away from it because they're trying to be more offense. When they go down by two goals, it seems the group looks at it as, well, we're down by two, so we got to start scoring goals. Rather than, hey, it's a 3-1 game. If we continue this defensive structure, it'll give us opportunities. Yeah, I, I don't know that that changes. I, I guess that's that. maybe that's where our difference is. is I, I don't know that that changes the rest of the way because I, I don't know that they're capable of playing that way and getting back into games. Like I don't know that it's necessarily that they don't trust their defensive structure, that they're trying... I think they just know, like, hey, we got to get back into this thing, and unless we start, like, really going for it, we can't because we're not capable of scoring goals at a really high level while playing this defensive structure. I I don't know that this team is such that they, they can be that defensively and also come back in hockey games. So you might have to rely on your your goalie to make some big-time saves in order to allow you the opportunity to get back into a game. I, I just don't know. I don't think they're a well-enough-rounded team right now to be able to do both if they get down early in a hockey game. And, and that's going to leave you in a bad spot sometimes. And that's how you've got to figure out how to bottle up the confidence you receive when you score the first goal of a hockey game and put that into the same area of when the other team scores the first goal in the hockey game. Like you find out whatever confidence you guys have, which I mean, look, it's the Blackhawks. So the Blackhawks suck. So plain and simple, 
But that Chicago Blackhawks game, like Chicago was outplaying you in the first period on Sunday. But you kind of stuck to that structure of like, look, we'll, we'll let them have their outside chances. We'll let them have their zone time. But sooner or later, the dam is going to break to where we get our chance. And then Jake Neighbors got the breakaway. Yeah, but the difference is they were up. They got well, up in that game. The first three minutes, like Chicago was in their zone a lot. I understand. I don't think the Blues' problem is is that. The, like, the Blues have taken onslaughts all year long, especially early on this season, where it was like, holy crap, man, they're getting outshot in every game. That, that I don't think, is necessarily the, the – the issue is when they start going in. When the puck starts going in the back yeah. of your net and you get down 2 nothing, they, they abandon everything because I think they genuinely believe in their heart of hearts, if we play this structure, it's going to take us too long to get back into this thing because it takes so long for us to generate significant levels of offense. And they know our power play is not good enough to be able to lean on that either. So instead of that, man, we're going to have to start playing some hot pond hockey. It's the only way we can get back into this thing. And then that allows the the puck to go back in the back of their net again. And now boom, you're down five, nothing four, three, whatever, four, one, whatever it ends up being. The difference in that game against Chicago is they, they didn't score. So you ended up being up in that game to nothing before they got their first goal. And at that point, you can continue to rely on your structure because you're up. You're playing from ahead. They're like the Tennessee Titans from a couple of years ago to me. If the Titans were up and they get to just have that bulldog mentality and they're riding the train of Derrick Henry into the um, into the station, man, they're good. Ain't no problem whatsoever. The Baltimore Ravens in previous years. Hey, man, if they're up and they can just out-physical you and keep playing with this defense and play from ahead, no problem. They're going to coast to the finish line. The problem is when they get down. When the Titans get down, they got no chance of coming back because now you got to, instead of having Derrick Henry be the guy that takes you home, now you got to lean on Ryan Tannehill. If the Ravens get down, they don't have the receivers in previous years to be able to come back into those kinds of games. That's how I feel about the Blues. If the Blues are playing from ahead, pretty solid team. Rely on the defensive structure. You got a good goalie behind you. We're good. If you're playing from behind, you don't have the forward talents to be able to get into it. You don't have the power play to lean on. And now, boom, you start seeing them ab- avoiding their um, or aborting their their defensive structure. And now you got nothing. You got nothing left to and, lean and on. And see, that's where they got to throw that mindset to the wayside because you do. Their problem is when one goal goes in and you're down by one, the time you blink, you're down by three goals. And if you can just find a way to isolate that one goal going in, which again, this is that mental strength we've talked about. Now it's just in game compared to game to game. You could stay in the hockey game because you've won games this season when it's two to one. The problem for this team is it. You haven't won games when it's three to one, four to one, five to one, and they haven't found a way to stop that in game snowball blues back in action tomorrow night on the road in Minnesota. Hot damn. The wilds have been terrible lately. That is a team that is really struggling. The Calgary flames were able to get things back on track a bit after their terrible start to the season. We'll see if the wilds are able to do that. We'll talk about that game. Certainly a lot more tomorrow here on the show. Alex has your pregame coverage right here on your home for the blues tomorrow night. 101 ESPN starting at 6 o'clock. Coming up next, it's time to the dive into the junk drawer. Man, Chris Collinsworth told a story over the weekend about something that happened to him. I, Alex would have lost his damn mind if he was in this exact same scenario. And frankly, I don't know how I would have reacted either. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. 
and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer. All right, Alex, on Thanksgiving night, I was watching the, the NFL game. And Chris Collinsworth is talking about, you know, his time in Seattle. They went around and they went to Pike's Market, which is a big place out there in Seattle where they're throwing the fish around, right? My wife went up to Seattle last summer, went out there and caught a fish. It's a big old tourist thing that you go that you go to when you're in Seattle, apparently. Well, he had a really good time and he got himself carried away. And then he told a story about what took place as he was there. Give this a listen. And Alex, as you're listening to this, I want you to think about what you would have done if you were in this spot for Chris Collinsworth. Well, I, I never buy fish, right? right? I, but I, you're in the market. You say, OK, I buy some fish and I'm going to take it home for Thanksgiving. So I go in there and I see the thing. This big fish is there and it's. $35. I got, well, that's pretty good. That's about the same price as in a restaurant, right? $34.99. Yeah, $34.99, right yeah, there right. it is. So I come out and I, I go, all right, I'll take two. Right. You know? 70 bucks? I got, a, I got yeah, I thought 72 yeah. bucks. $800. I, didn't, I was like, per pound. Oh, keyword like, per pound. Yeah, but you can't, you can't go back once you <laughs> said you want two fish. They already got them loaded up. Oh, yeah, I absolutely would have gone back. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, man, sorry, but. I read that as $35, not 35 per pound. Ah, I don't have $800. Oh, dude, can you imagine? You get there, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Also, I'm going to take home some fish for myself and my wife. It's fresh it fish. Home? I'm sure they've, they've got a way to pack it. I was going to say, that's got to be nasty by the time you get home. But, like, you leave, you're excited, you're like, oh, this is going to be perfect. Maybe even he was like, he probably has an Airbnb out there in Seattle or something, right? They're spending Thanksgiving together, him and his wife, whatever. You're ready to ring it up. You're like, man, this is gonna be great. 80 bucks. I'm leaving here. What a some deal! Amazing. Yeah, anytime you say fish. that, this is caught today, and they say $800, sir. I, the, the oh, image. the panic in my eyes as I hear something like that. I would have been like, yeah, I'd have, I'd have been I like, you know what? You could unwrap that fish and put it back on the shelf because I don't have $800. Oh my! God. I, I just love the image in my head of Collinsworth with his wallet open and he has a hundred dollar bill in his hand to pay for the eighty dollars you think he's spending, and the guy comes back and says eight hundred dollars. I'm I'm sorry, what? Like I just love that image in my head of Collinsworth, full like grandpa mode. When we were in Austin, <laughs> we went to Walgreens one night. It was like. Nine o'clock. We're heading back to the Airbnb. Baby boy needed a little something. He needs like a uh, Tylenol, right? So I go to Walgreens. I get in the, the cash register line. There's one person in front of me, and they've got like all this stuff, right? They've got a full basket where it looks like they basically went grocery shopping at Walgreens. They get to the front of the line, and they finally get all finished up. You know how it works at Walgreens. Like there's one person that's working at the front, and they're having to go through all of this. Well. Finally gets to the end and the, he says, okay, that'll be, you know, $74.97. And the person in front of me is like, okay, well, I, I've got 60 on me. They're oh like, oh, $74.97. handle with what the yeah. price is? He's like, I, I don't really know what you want me to do there. And she says, okay, well, that's all right. I'll be back later. So she said, take all of that back. I don't want to, like, do the thing where I take out two or three things from my whatever I was getting ready to purchase. They just flat out walked away. Oh, they're not the guy, coming back. The guy was, that's what he said. It's like, oh, they're not coming back. I'm going to have to put all of this away. God, I had one of those moments. I think this was like a month ago where I went to grocery shop. And so I did all the grocery shop and had both girls with me, walked up to the counter. She rang everything. And then she goes, how are you paying? And I 
did the wallet check? And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, that's And I, I looked at her because I knew exactly what she was thinking. She's like, you don't have your wallet, do you? And I said, no. And she goes, well, here's what I can do. She's like, you can either put the stuff back or you can run home and get it and come back. And I said, cool. I left that grocery store fully expecting them to put all of my food back on the sure. shelf because they didn't think I was going to come yeah. back. I came back 10 minutes later and God bless that uh, that uh, sales rep because she sat there and waited with my cart. But I was going to say, have you like have you checked out with her before? Like she could potentially recognize your face as a Maybe. common, quote unquote, I, common I, I go every week on Mondays with my yeah. girls. So she knows that I'm sure. there. Okay. So, so I think I, she yeah, knew. There but it, there's nothing more disparaging than than the grocery store clerk staring at you with a full cart and being like, you don't have your money? Because they're probably thinking, oh, I gotta go put all this and crap you know back it's on the, the shelf. first time that they've seen this. Oh, like, no. this, this is not something that's new to them. But it's like, at me being an idiot, it's like, who the hell walks into a grocery store yeah. and doesn't know that they have their wallet with oh, them? Oh, dude, been there. I hate, I hate that from, like, wherever you're at. Like, I've gone to, a, like, not a nice restaurant, but, like, somewhere fast to get something quick. I go, oh, it's in the car. It's just, my food's just yep. sitting right here. There's nothing worse. Oh. 3143999646 is the air comfort service text line from the 636. Guys, I would absolutely end up paying it if I was in Chris Carlinsworth's shoes because I'm weak and a complete beta. So would I. No. I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'd have to get rid of my internet for like three well, months. That's the thing. But, like, it's not even me being weak, but and if I have Collinsworth money, then yeah, $800 is probably nothing. But if it's me standing there, I'll be like, dude, I won't be able to pay my house payment if I give this fish, so I'm out. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm dipping into savings. I'm taking something out of 401k. Like, oh, yeah. I am no. I'm too much of an embarrassment to myself to not just say, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. I'll bite the bullet. I would then call. <laughs> the Kara hell are you gonna do with 12 pounds of fish? Oh, it's not. It's like 20, 22 pounds of fish. I don't know. I don't know what I will do with this, Alex. I but don't know what the hell Chris was gonna do with all that like fish. Much like the 636, I am weak. I am a beta, and therefore I would pay the eight hundred dollars. But that's not even being weak. It's like, dude, I can't afford this. Yeah, what do you do in that spot? Yeah, like, I I don't have eight hundred dollars to pay you for this. It's the credit cards for me. I didn't. Oh my god, <laughs> honey, what's the eight hundred dollar charge? Well, I didn't want to have them put fish back. They wrapped it already. Yeah, it's the better if you don't ask questions. In our freezer. Yeah. That was me. Freezer. It's in the deep freeze in the basement. I had to also buy a five hundred dollar deep freeze to put the eight hundred dollar fish that I just purchased. Coming up in about fifteen minutes or so, we'll get into some NFL quick hitters. But next, if the Cardinals were to get creative. This offseason, what would it look like the rest of the day? We'll talk about we'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. So, Alex, you were talking about a report that you saw just a little bit ago that adds a little bit of context to why the Sonny Gray signing happened today. Yeah, so uh, get excited. The Cardinals didn't just beat out the Atlanta Braves for their starting pitcher. There were more? They beat out another dominant, scary good team in free oh, agency, and okay. it was the Cincinnati Reds. Hmm. Oh. Uh, Mark Sheldon, who covers the Reds uh, for MLB.com, he reported that uh, the Reds were pursuing Sonny Gray and close before he went to the Cardinals on that three-year, $75 million dollar contract. He also said that the Reds have interest in Tyler Glass now of the Rays. Tampa Bay is not wanting to rebuild and seeks MLB ready starter. Interesting. Um 
I do find it very interesting that the Reds were the other team that were in on Sonny Gray. They know Sonny Gray well. He was there previously before they decided to, you know, uh, tear down the team and do what the Reds tend to do, which is restart all over again. The Reds fans should have been thankful for what they had at the time. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's that's what they should. What else are they going to do in Cincinnati? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Skyline chili. Blech. I'm glad that the Cardinals beat them. I, I think that's a really big deal that they were able to beat out both the Reds and the Braves, two National League potential contenders next year for a guy like Sonny Gray. Doesn't make it, you know, the greatest signing in the history of baseball, but a good one nonetheless. I find the second portion of this report to be every bit as interesting, if not more so, though, than what he's reporting on Sonny Gray. Again, Alex mentioned, this is Mark Sheldon, MLB.com reporter for the Reds. He says that they have interest in Tyler Glass now and that Tampa Bay is not wanting to rebuild. They seek, seek MLB-ready starter. Now, he does not clarify on if he's talking about starting position players or a starting pitcher. I could totally see them being interested in a major league-ready starting pitcher. That makes a lot of sense to me. Alex, if the Cardinals were to get creative, and I don't know if they're going to go this path or not, but there was a report earlier that surfaced that the Cardinals are at least shopping Steven Matz. Man, Steven Matz and like some of the Cardinals position player depth for Tyler Glass now makes a lot of sense. Like a Steven Matz plus Alec Burleson, maybe plus a minor league reliever for Tyler Glass now. I could see how that's the kind of thing that ends up getting a deal done with the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, I could absolutely see that, but then it gets into the bidding war. And this is what I talked about of you needing to go to the trade market. Like before you're in a bidding war when it comes to money. And we just saw the result of that having to pay $25 million for three years, but now you're going to get into a bidding war. And I don't know Cincinnati Reds prospect pool, but if they're wanting starters, does Cincinnati have more desperation than the Cardinals to get Tyler Glass now? And does that mean the Cardinals are willing to get to that desperation point? And I'm very, very skeptical when it comes to the Cardinals making a trade with Tampa, knowing that they have to outbid another team. Because not only does Tampa... We've never lost a trade to right. Not only does Tampa know your team better than you know your <laughs> team, but now you're having to go past a puke point of trading pieces. So uh, it makes sense for Steven Matz plus more to get it done. But that plus more might be something that the Cardinals will be like, oh, oh, any other team, sure, but not you, Tampa. And that's where I could see Cincinnati swooping in. And if Cincinnati's interested, I would guarantee you there's three to five more teams interested that might have better players available. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. I, I think it is interesting, though. Like, I, I wonder what they would want more. I, I mean, I'm sure they would want more control. Like, it, Cincinnati, like, the, the way they could beat you is they could go, okay, well, instead of giving you a pitcher that's got two years and making $12 million, Here's one of our top pitching prospects that's got six, seven years of control. That's almost ready for the majors. That's the one thing that they can do that the Cardinals would not be able to do. But but if I'm the Tampa Bay Rays and you're getting a guy that certainly provides you, what'd you say his projections were, like 140 innings? Like, Steven Matz makes all the sense in the world for Tampa Bay Rays. And you bring in a guy like Alec Burleson who could play first base for you, be a DH left-handed bat. Or if you bring in another prospect potentially into that kind of trade conversation. So... I find it very interesting that they're looking for a starter. If that's what, if it is a true starting pitcher, makes sense from them because their whole team has Tommy John surgery. Um, um, so Good. I, I think they are a team that could target Steven Matz, but I think they're going to look more for because it is a bidding war. To your point, they're going to leverage somebody into giving up a top end pitching arm that's close, if not already ready. And this is why I lean more towards the Alec Manoa offseason because you're trading an, an outfielder to get rid of that glut of outfield position players that John Denton was talking about, and you're getting a starter who's got upside. I, if this is real and the the Rays want a starting pitcher in return, 
I don't know if they're willing to take on $11 million. That's a real question uh, because they, they're trying desperately to uh, shed salary, shed payroll this offseason. Um, but I could see Steven Matz being of, being of interest to them. He, he kind of fits their Zach Eflin mold of, hey, this guy was pretty good, and other teams didn't view him as a front-end starting pitcher, but when he's been healthy and right – we think he can be really good. And I could see the Rays tweaking something with Steven Matz and him going out there next year and us looking back on it and saying to ourselves, man, Steven Matz was nearly as good this year as Tyler Glass now. Very much in in the realm of the possible if he goes down there and they tweak the right knobs, right? If they if they end up they wiggling knobs fiddling out there the knobs again? down there in Tampa Bay in the right I way. Think Moe's already fiddled enough knobs. That being said, I don't care because I don't think the Cardinals can. I don't think they are the team that can get that out of him, but they can get it out of Tyler Glass now because anybody can get it out of Tyler Glass now. That dude's a stud when he's out there on the mound. And so if they're going to get creative, that's the kind of move that I would suspect they would make. Another one is Alec Manoa. Maybe you go out there and you... You trade from your outfield depth to be able to acquire a guy that you have no idea if he's going to help you next year or not. But if he's mentally right, if he's physically right, he has number one pitcher upside. Is there anything else that you guys think they could do if they were going to get creative to add upside to this rotation? I thought to myself earlier today, hey, maybe Frankie Montas is another guy. We've talked about Tyler Malley. That's not like big time upside, but it's better than some of the other starters that you have right now, three to five in your rotation. Is there anybody else that immediately comes to mind when you think about creative alternatives of how the Cardinals could add upside to their rotation? Not anybody that would have like upside as a one. Like maybe they could still get creative and say, you know, let's trade from like a Burleson for or somebody of that ilk to like the Yankees and go get a Clayton Beater, a guy that has some experience, or go to the Marlins and say, hey, we want Cabrera. We think we can work with something with Cabrera, but that's not upside of a number one like Cabrera's upside's like maybe as a number three beater's upside's like maybe as a number three like you yeah. don't really need that but I could see maybe they go that route and say hey let's bring in someone that's still got a little bit more upside more cost control and then maybe you flip Matt's and go send him somewhere else and shed his salary but maybe that's the route you could go I mean or you go Brandon Woodruff route and hope pray that he comes back healthy and you sign him to a shorter term deal now and know that next year you got a legit number two at the top of your rotation I would love it if they added Tyler Glass now and then signed Woodruff to the Glass now deal all right man you don't have enough money for all of this well this now year you're really playing what fantasy I mean by baseball. that is like Woodruff gets five million dollars for this upcoming season and then 25 the year after and then you have glass now making the 25 this year and you let him walk next year so then you basically have the same salary slot in place for the next two seasons but year one it's glass now year two yeah but then you get into the spot what if glass now pitches well and he's willing to resign and you don't have the money to resign him well then you decline the team options for the other two guys that you have in your starting rotation you can't do that man those are guys are 39 and 38 years old that have innings (laughs) exactly what about i'm gonna throw this out there no I, i want it to be known that i hated this idea when we talked about it last year um no what if Red Sox looking to make moves? What if they are willing to eat money and trade Chris Sale? I don't know if I could do that after how this season went. I am i wouldn't do it, just to be clear. But I know, like, last year we talked about it. Like, hey, if I squint hard enough, can I, I see I, Chris I Sale? I think I'd if rather, I can convince and, myself that Alec Manoa is a I think worthwhile I'd rather have Manoa. I can absolutely convince myself and on Chris just Sale. Just to add clarity to all of this. He's making $27.5 million in his base salary this year, and then he has a club option for 20 mil next year. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like that That's the only other like creative name that I could think of that, like, when Sale is healthy, which hasn't been in a long time, say. he is. He had the stuff, had, meaning past if tense. If they're willing to eat 
10 mil. Seven and a half mil, yeah. 10 mil, whatever it ends up being. Oh, good. Another dude with a four ERA on our team. I mean, but look at the strikeout rate, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually being serious, no, though. Like, I, <laughs> I know, but I, I wouldn't do the same one because he... If we want to talk about... The strikeout who, who rate was close with 100 innings pitched. Yeah, that's fine. The Cardinals don't need a bunch of innings, man. They need a guy that when you get to the postseason... And he takes the mound. Is he available for the postseason? Maybe. Well, uh, who knows, right? It was Jacob DeGrom going to be available last year? They didn't know. No, but, but then they were aggressive at the deadline and said, let's go get better pitchers. Sure, and I, I don't know that the Cardinals would do that. I agree with you there. But this is why I would do it now, because he's available potentially in this scenario, right? Hypothetical. If he's available, I, I think I would do it. Because if he ends up going out there next year and at the trade deadline, he's become Chris Sale of old instead of just old Chris Sale. Um it's only 34, man. He's you got two guys that are older than that. Command a massive return for somebody because then you're talking about a guy that is an ace for the postseason and has a $20 million club option the following year. Like, I'd probably be willing to bet on Chris Sale before I'd be willing to bet on Brandon Woodruff. If we were ranking, oh, yeah, I would do that. I would would go Glass now one, Chris Sale two, Woodruff three. And if you ask me to put Manoa into that list, I think it depends on how much the Red Sox would be willing to eat on the sale deal, but. If you could get that down to like 17 million bucks and I'm able to trade um, Stephen Matz somewhere, I'd probably put Chris Sale two above Manoa and Manoa three above Woodruff. Yeah, I yeah. think I would have Manoa two no matter what. My my thing, though, is I just don't know if Sale is still the guy of old. Like Totally fair. I know he had 11 strikeouts per nine last year, but again, first time in three years he's been able to get past 100 innings. Like. He's more of a injury risk than Tyler Glass now is. Yeah, the Glass now deal has dealt with injuries his whole career. But you got Lennon Gibson, and that's like eighteen strikeouts per nine combined. I they're pitching at the same time. Yeah, same time. Yeah, it'd be hard to hit two different baseballs. I well, would really. like to Fast see balls. somebody like this added to the mix. Whether it's Sale, Woodruff, um, Manoa, Glass now. Go get somebody that you can dream on it. Where if they're starting a game one or a game two of a postseason series, you can say to yourself, okay. I'm not expecting more than like five innings out of them, but in those five innings, they have a chance to strike out 10. That's the kind of pitcher that I would like to see added to the Cardinals roster at some point between between now and opening day. And if they do that, they don't even have to be available to me on opening day so long as they are somebody that will impact your roster at some point next year. Because right now, you're, you're... rotation is is honestly fine i'm not down on the rotation for what it's going to be the first three months of the season i think your rotation is as solid right now as it's been in a really long time for the first you know 75 games of the year my question is about the last two months plus the postseason do you have the upside that is necessary to be able to get through that i was looking at this just a little bit ago guys and this can be the final thing that we get to here before we get to nfl quick hitters on the other side if you were to take the Cardinals' current projections based on fan graphs, what they're projecting for them, and we talked about these a little bit earlier, and you were to say to yourself, okay, if this five-man rotation of Gray, Michaelis, Lynn, Gibson, and Matz, if that five-man rotation were to actually hit their projections, that we could just lock it in, guarantee, simulate to the end of the year, this is what they're going to do for you. This year, they would have ranked second in the National League in innings pitched by a rotation. They would have ranked fifth in the National League in ERA by a rotation and fourth, if you want to go more analytically inclined, in wins above replacement from a starting pitching rotation. That's pretty damn good, man. I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. But then you get to the postseason and you're like, okay, so who's starting a game two? And that's where the questions really arise. I don't have a lot of questions for them about 162. I've got a lot of questions about what happens after that. It is very much a regular season rotation 
that is not built for October. And I know Mo, I don't remember what he said. It's been almost a it's week now. It's hard to build for October when you need to get through 162 yeah. was yeah. essentially yeah. what Keep he said. Keep feeding that to us and see how yeah. long it works. Meanwhile, the Phillies have done a pretty good job at doing both. But, you know, maybe not use them every, as an example. Every competitive team has a really good job of doing both because they plan for October and assume they'll get to And they've there. got the upside that we're talking about. When you have that upside... Maybe that guy's not available for 162 to make 33 starts and go 200 innings or 190 innings. But damn, does he look good in Tampa, Tampa Bay blue. He's Tanner Hendrickson. That's Alex Classic. Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming there, up right? next, <laughs> NFL Quick Hitters here on 101 ESPN. Here for a good time. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. It's time for some NFL quick hitters. It was an interesting week in the league, including our second firing of the NFL season. The second coach fired is Frank Reich. And he's not the only one that's headed out the door, Alex. Along with Frank Reich, they're also firing two assistant coaches, including their quarterbacks coach and their running backs coach. Alex, is this fair in your mind, or are the Panthers going to end up just continuing to spin their wheels trying to find a coach that can fix their Bryce Young problem? Uh, If they get the right coach, I think they can make better with this situation. And frankly, I applaud the the Panthers for doing it. You like what I did there? there. Should have said Frank Reichley. They did the right decision here because there's a couple of teams, Chargers, because I missed it, that should have fired their coach three or four. Come on, man. Uh, Keep up right now. Damn. There are other teams that should have done this three to four games ago, Brandon Staley. Patriots. That should probably justify their team. So I applaud Carolina for doing this because they realize that, hey, we've invested a lot in this quarterback. We've got to make sure that it's right. I don't know if Bryce Young's a quarterback, but if you're going to if you're going to make the case that he is, get the right personnel around him so i just don't know if you're gonna find that personnel right now in the middle of the season they're the worst team in the nfl oh by far yeah good thing they got their first overall pick this year ah oh wait sorry i hope chicago just like dances all the way to the podium when they select carolina's pick and take a better quarterback as they should they absolutely should it's it's embarrassing watching them they they have too much talent defensively to be this bad that that's what i really don't understand and then offensively I mean, we could all see this coming. They don't have any receiver talent. They don't have a running back that makes you shake in your boots. I think that Hubbard's fine, but they gave a bunch of money to Miles Sanders thinking that he was going to be something that he never was in Philadelphia. Dude, as we're seeing right now with DeAndre Swift, if you can't succeed up there in Philadelphia, something's wrong with you, not them. And he never did there, really. So I... I don't like Bryce Young. I don't think that he's going to end up being anything significant for them. But he was also put into a position to fail. But BK, he's got a bad team around him. He, he does. That was the text line. I don't know that Frank Reich was the problem, but I think they had to try to change something because there's no hope that's going to be instilled into this situation this offseason because, like you said, they traded their first-round pick to get Bryce Young. This had to be a move that you even though – I do think it's a bit unfair because I don't think Frank Reich's necessarily the problem. This is a really bad roster, man. They need to blow it up again. Yeah, but like, here's my problem with this all. Like, how did you not do your due diligence to make sure that the quarterback you were going to select matched with the head coach? 
Well, I, I don't think it's a quarterback and head coach issue. I think it's a talent issue, man. Like, he's throwing to Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo, and DJ Chark. His tight end is Hayden Hurst. The offensive line has taken a massive step back this season, and you have no running game to speak of. When those issues around you are existing, I don't, I don't care what scheme you're running. It but ain't going to work. But if you feel like you got the right head coach, then you don't fire the head coach. You, you have to. There has to be some kind of hope. There has to be something that changes. And I know this is something where, like, you're throwing good money at bad, but... Dude, what else are they going to do to sell this team to the players, to the fans, to anybody? There's nothing left. That's it. That's all you can do is you got to make a change because you're not changing the quarterback. You don't have a top pick this year to be able to add serious talent to the mix. I don't know what alternative they had here. You had to make a change. Yeah, and I, I don't know who you are going to bring in. Apparently, that I saw a report from Adam Schefter today that Reich wasn't even their top target last offseason. It was Ben Johnson, and Johnson told him no. So... <laughs> I don't know who probably the top. Probably because they told Ben Johnson, we're going to draft Bryce Young. Yeah, and he probably went, nah, no thanks. That is a fair question. What do you do? I, like, I don't know. The guy? That, that's why, like, in theory, yeah, I agree with everything that you said. Like, sure, you got to fire him, provide some kind of imaginary well, hope. Adam Schefter just uh, said on Pat McAfee's show that he believes 7 to 10 NFL head coaches are going to be fired this year. Do you no. want to try to count them up? Oh, well, Belichick. Three. Staley. Four. Yeah. Oh, is he counting the ones that have already? I, I'm. Uh, well, I don't know. It was oh, just he said it on Pat so. McAfee show. He that said, "I believe that there's seven to ten head coaches could be fired this year." He said, "I'll take the over." I think Mike Vrabel's getting traded. You, you can't trade a head coach. You can. It's no, happened can't. multiple times. No, you can't. Trade Sean it. Payton was literally traded last offseason. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> um, I think Mike Vrabel's going to get traded. I wouldn't count him as a firing, but I think he's going to the Patriots. I wonder if um, um, what's his face from the Buccaneers? He gets fired. Bulls. Oh, oh Rivera, Rivera's going to get fired. Oh, yeah, Rivera's gone. Um, <laughs> That's basically been reported yeah, already. Bears, uh, Cardinals, Yeah, no. the Bears are going to fire their coach. Rams, no. The what Seahawks? do you do if you're in the NFC South? Yeah, I was going to say. Like, do you fire Arthur Smith yeah, or give him an fire extension Arthur for Smith. winning that putrid division? Do, no, does, I'd fire do, him. do the Seahawks fire Pete Carroll? No, absolutely not. No chance. Well, Dable's not going anywhere, so the NFC's probably good to go there. Solid Dave? Surely not. Maybe. That's a bad team, dude. What's know, his face with Cincinnati? I guess I you can't really fire him. No. Because it's been more. To ten, like, yeah, I don't either. How in God's name do you get to 10 coaches Staley. that are fired this year? I mean, you. Uh, yeah. Dennis Allen, maybe? Like, they don't win that division. I can sure. see them. Seriously, though, we're like scraping, right, I got the, to seven. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel. The well, then there you go. Fire him. We're at Schefter seven. said over oh, seven, Bulls, by the way. Bulls. Todd Bowles could absolutely be fired. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we're scraping the bottom here. Get rid of Smith. More Allen. likely that three of the four head coaches return next year or all of them are gone in the NFC South. Oh, gone. Arthur Smith's terrible. I, like, you have one of the most explosive running backs that I've probably ever yeah. seen in my lifetime, and you're just now starting to utilize him. No, this play. is week 12. Somebody <laughs> says Sean McDermott. I could totally see that. Yeah. That, I if mean, this, that's if he dude, gets fired, Carolina their, should pick him up. Have you Everybody should pick at, him up. You're right. Have you looked at their schedule? Brutal. They're going to miss the playoffs. It's going to be great. I was going to say, let's play the game of guys that get fired because they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. How many wins do the Bills get the rest of the year, Alex? Listen to this. You tell me win or loss at Kansas City. Win. Don't do this just because I'm a Chiefs fan. <laughs> no, win. Be serious. He no, plays his best no, game against still win. Cowboys. Loss. Yeah. At the Chargers. Win. win. <laughs> Patriots. Win. Win. At the Dolphins. I'll give them a win because their defense actually looked pretty decent in Philadelphia for the first half, and then they just completely forgot how to play defense. Thirty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they lose to beat them 
couple like week three, yeah, week four. Three. I'll say I'll say that's a win. I'll say lose. loss because it's a bounce back game for Miami. That's nine wins. I don't think that gets you in. Probably need ten. I think you need ten in both conferences, honestly. I, I don't I think there's a very real chance. That that game against Kansas City legitimately could decide if they're going to the playoffs or not. They should have held on to win that game. Here's a good question. Yesterday. From the three one four. Does John Harbaugh get fired if the Ravens get no. bounced in the first round? No. Absolutely not. He's one of the this is the thing that I always would say about coaches like Harbaugh or like what you asked about um, Pete Carroll. If you have what is considered to be a guy that would get hired the second that you fire him, it's the Craig Bruby conversation that we've always had. If you fire a guy and he gets hired the next day, you probably shouldn't fire that guy. John Harbaugh would be hired immediately and would be the number one candidate on every single list. Every team that has an opening, if their owner does not call John Harbaugh the moment that he is fired, your owner is the problem. So, yeah, no, you, I, I absolutely would not. Carolina. I say, hell, if you even kept your coach, Arthur Smith, <laughs> you, you should call. make the call. Absolutely. It, it's like the Craig Council situation. If Craig Council becomes available <laughs> and you have a manager, you're like, eh, not sure. Call Craig Council and find out if he's interested. If you have a head coach right now that you're not sure about, Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, whoever, oh, and John Harbaugh or Pete Carroll were fired, you should just hire one of those guys because they're really good at their jobs. We didn't even consider the Packers coach. I can't LaFleur. Do you think he'll get fired? I don't think he gets fired. I think you go get a better a quarterback. I, I think depending on what happens, if you're going to start over, I think he might be gone. By the way, Jordan Love's shown sign of progress over no. the last few weeks. No, I'm serious. Have you seen so, their schedule coming so up? They've won three of their last four games. They just beat the Lions on the road. They're going to beat the Chiefs this week. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that, he might get fired. Yeah, quit loving Their schedule, though, was not bad. Like, they could absolutely win a bunch of games down the stretch. That was too easy. The Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Vikings, the Bears. They could make the playoffs. Did you say the Bears could make the playoffs? Did you say the Bears make the playoffs? No, the Packers. Oh. Dude, the NFC this is terrible. This is like Mizzou getting to the college football championship game. Have you looked at the current teams that are in the postseason? In the AFC, the Colts would make the postseason if it ended today. In the NFC, the Seahawks at 6-5 and five would make it. The Vikings at 6-5 and five would make it. The Packers are a half game back. By the way, I think the Rams are going to make it. That's oh, true. God. No, no, that's a true oh, thought. God. True thought. No, they're, they're Coming not, up next, they're that's the way we're ending this segment. Crap. Major League Baseball what? offseason roundup. Alex? Yeah, he just, he just kamikaze did. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> roundup. Yeah. Here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. How do you feel about that one? I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was like a 10. On a scale of 1 to 10, I think that might have been a 10. I, I, I got like the, the vibrato in my throat with that one. Now, I'm not going to have a voice by the end of this, but worth it. It's time for your Major League Baseball offseason. Roundup! Stick him up, partner! Let's start with the big news in Major League Baseball. Yamamoto is officially beginning his meetings with teams around Major League Baseball this week. Alex, will the Cardinals be a part of those in your mind? No. No, next no. question. Uh, uh, going next down up, to Cabo. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of players that are posted from the NPB, Shota Imanaga also posted today. Alex, do you think the Cardinals no. will be involved in those discussions? <laughs> no, I don't. They're going to be on vacation. <laughs> Mo's left town already. Yeah, Where do you think Yamamoto ends up? Yamamoto? Mm. I think a Met still. I think I, Mets just... I'm going to say Boston. Oh, then they're going to trade Chris Sale to the Cardinals? No, 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 no. They'll keep them all. I think Boston oh. gets both him and Jungle Otani. Next up, what? the Dodgers. 
Yeah. <laughs> they get both of them? Yeah. The Dodgers re-signed Damn. Jason Hayward today on a one-year uh, deal worth $9 million. Cardinals Alex, does it. that strike fear in you as a Cardinals fan? Center field. Look at that gold glove defense. Can he, he a really good year last can year. Can he hit? Yeah, he hit? actually had a very good season offensively in 2023. It was shocking to me, and it so should have been Cardinals shocking to everybody else. Why he didn't really perform to expectations. Because well, he, he hit elsewhere. He struggled everywhere else, too. Oh, yeah? Afterwards. Did he struggle winning that World Series in 2016? Fair. Yeah. Touche? Yeah. Don't think so. Uh, for no. that rousing <laughs> speech. Those don't, uh, those don't strike fear for me. And frankly, the L.A. Dodgers. People are making fun of the Cardinals for uh, being the sole sponsor for ARP. I think Dodgers should probably be that also if they re-sign Clayton Kershaw. There's a lot of old dudes on that team. If they don't get Shohei Otani this year, that fan base might revolt. They're furious about the way that things went last offseason. And are they going to do something to improve this rotation? Because they're running out of options on the free agency market if they don't get Yamamoto or Blake Snell. I could see them in on like Imanaga. Sure. Smaller deal. Well, like, is that going to be something that oh, gets no. their fan base excited? I don't think so. I don't know why Otani should either, by the way, because he's not going to pitch next year. I mean, it's Otani. I, mean, oh, I get it, but... It doesn't fix your I'll rotation. Take his 40 bombs in the season, though. Sure. Next thing up as we continue our Major League Baseball offseason. Roundup! Let's dance! <laughs> Like we were in a saloon on that one. Jeff Passan reporting that Kinta Maeda had an uh, agreement in place with the Detroit Tigers is a two-year deal worth $24 million. Alex, would you have rather had Kinta Maeda on that contract or the guys that the Cardinals signed to their one-year deals with club options? I'd rather have the Cardinals one-year options. I think Kenta Maeda is a five, and I don't know if I want him as my five for the next two years, pretending to be at least a three or a four. On these one-year deals, if it stinks, then you know what? You can move on from it. So, yeah, I'd rather have the one-year than the two-year deal for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I might end up, may end up being a better pitcher than both these guys, but I would rather go into a season going, okay, we can get out of this next year if it goes poorly. And if it goes well, then, hey, we can just opt right back into it and essentially is a two-year deal. So I'd much rather have Lyndon Gibson. Which is Only super one, weird because I saw foul territory talking about how the Tigers are officially back to being dominant. What? Yeah, you were, they were talking about how the, the Tigers are showing the 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 prowess to go after free agents. And I'm like, wow. for Kenta Maeda? They still have a lot to check off on their to-do list this offseason, no, including I, getting talent. No, no, man. They uh, got uh, Javi Baez. I think Kenta Maeda is a totally fine addition. Like, if the Cardinals had added him as their number five starter, I would have been okay with it. I don't love the two-year deal of this nature. Um, I would rather have it on a one-year contract. But for the Tigers, that's fine. I got no problem with it. It's a perfectly solid addition for them. I would rather, for what the Cardinals needed, I would rather have the one-year deals in place. And hopefully you can have a younger pitcher that can take over that role by 2024. Yeah, this is what he said, just so I can back it up. AJ Przinsky says the Tigers are sending messages to the AL Central with their aggressive start to the offseason. I mean, to be fair, like... Sure. Is that aggressive? 82 wins might win that division. (laughs) Oh, so the NL Central. I mean, sure. Why not? Uh, that, that'll work, I guess. Uh, also around Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves, after missing out on Aaron Nola, missing out on Sonny Gray, their attention has been turned to Dylan Cease. According to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, the Dodgers and the Braves are both connected in trade discussions with the Chicago White Sox. Alex, I don't think that the Cardinals are going to end up making that deal. I think he'll end up going elsewhere. I do believe that he will end up getting traded this offseason, though. Do you believe he will be? And if so, where? too yeah i i do and and frankly the more i thought about it like i love the idea of a dylan cease but like dylan cease is not a number one dylan cease had one good year where he was a number one and i'm not giving up a nolan gorman for that uh, i think it's going to be 
the hard part is I could see this being Atlanta, but is Atlanta going to give up the assets needed for Dylan Cease? I could see Atlanta finding ways to throw more money at Yamamoto or throw more money at like a Marcus Stroman to fit in there. Um, but I do think he's going to land with one of these big fish in terms of via trade. I got to imagine it's going to be in the National League. So I would say it'd be more Dodgers than the Braves. See, I'm leaning Braves. I think he goes to the Braves, and I think they sign him to a contract extension. I, I think they try and get him on another below market value deal. And then you've got a one-two punch of Cease and Strider leading the charge for the next like five years already with the core that's locked up. He makes a ton of sense for him. And he's young, and I, I think he is a number one. And I think you can put him right up there as a 1B with Spencer Strider. How about this? I think the Orioles end up getting involved, no. and they make the deal for him, and he ends up leaving their rotation next year. And they're then not leaves go when he's a free agent. Make significant free agent yeah. signings. Yeah, of course. Um, but they're not going to go out there and make significant free agent signings. They have the top uh, f- farm system in all of Major League Baseball right now, and they need pitching. That's the biggest thing that they were missing this year. It's something that, it, as of today, will also be a problem for them going into next year. Get a guy with a couple of years of control, put him at the front end of your rotation, see how it ends up working out. I think he, they make a lot of sense for him, if not them, Dodgers. I, I, I think Atlanta gets Blake Snell. <sighs> That's who look, I think they turn to. I think to. they go, go to Jordan Montgomery if they miss out on uh, Dylan Cease. He's, He's an Atlanta boy, too, right? He ends up making a lot oh, of sense is he? for them. He's oh, from yeah. Carolina, if I'm All not right. mistaken. Oh. Some J.P. Morosi reporting over there. <laughs> I should <laughs> tweet it out. You should. Uh, guys... I wanted to ask you about this. MLB.com put together their list of the top offseason trade targets for each team. This comes from Mark Feinstein, who I actually think does a really good job this time of year. I think he's probably like the guy that I would trust the most, not named Ken Rosenthal or Jeff Passan. He said that for the Miami Marlins, their top trade piece going into the offseason, Edward Cabrera, the pitcher that we've talked about a bit in the past. He said that they are looking to upgrade their offense, but if they can't do so in free agency, they could end up trading Cabrera for that piece. Would you consider trading for Edward Cabrera now that the Cardinals have already made significant additions to their rotation? I would, but give me more information. Who are we parting with? Is it... I don't know what it would take for Cabrera. It's one of those things that's so hard like to it's know. It's not because Nolan Gorman. I think all of the pricing for free for pitching this offseason, whether it be via free agency or trade, is going to be bigger than what you expect it to be. So I don't know who it would be, I honestly. Mean, it's hard for me to say. As long as it's not massively impacting my day-to-day offense for this upcoming season, I'd make the move. I mean, we're talking about the upside of Alec Manoa. I know Cabrera doesn't have that Cy Young candidacy look, but you are talking about a dude who brings massive swing and miss. He's very young. He's controllable. And I think you could get the better of him. So, yeah, I would. I, I don't think I would. I, I think when I look at him, he like his upside is like a three. And, God, he walks the world. Um, oh, but you want Blake Snell. Yeah, but he's a one. Like, I can yeah. handle that if he's going to have a two ERA. Um, I, I And he just doesn't make sense. Like, if you're going to add another pitcher to this clogged mix now of five, you need to go get somebody that is going to slot ahead of Miles Michaelis. Not can he slot ahead of Miles Michaelis. No, does, does, not can, can viewing upside. I So, no, I have no interest. He would have been one of those guys that, same as Alec Manoa, I would have brought in if he would have, like, signed Sonny Gray, trade for Glass. Now, okay, now we're looking for a five, but that has some upside. Then I would have been interested in Cabrera. Now, I just don't think he makes sense. Burleson and O'Neal. Okay. Can I trade those guys for something else? Can I get a that, bullpen the, arm for O'Neal? Can I get a maybe and like the bullpen arm for O'Neal is probably the Gallego or Gallegos trade. Can I get like a stud in the back of my bullpen for Burleson who's got control and is a left-handed bat? 
I think I can. So I'd rather do that than go get Edward Cabrera. Totally fair. I also don't know that the Marlins with Skip Schumacher in charge are going to be a team yeah. that ends up trading for Tyler. And they're not, yeah, they're not trading him for Tyler O'Neill. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. That was our latest Major League Baseball offseason. Round up somebody's poison the water hole. BK and Ferrario Rewind is next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on PK and Ferrario brought to you by Gloria Loom, your home sold guaranteed realty. Selling your home begins at GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. I'm BK coming up in a couple of minutes. We'll get you to the fast lane. I did a bad job with time management today. I'll All right, try we'll to see be you tomorrow. better tomorrow. If you've missed anything from today's show, be sure to check out the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, and the free 101 ESPN app is where you go to find it. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. By the way, Alex, for those that do want to hear a little bit about the blues, you didn't hear much today, but you can hear it on Wednesday from 6 to 8 o'clock at Twin Peaks in Maplewood. You'll see Jamie and Donnie hang out with them from 6 to 7 o'clock at Twin Peaks in Maplewood. Then from 7 to 8, stick around as the guys cover all the latest hockey news and space. Uh, uh, tape a special last minute lo- last minute blues you did that on podcast. You called them lose on purpose. That's all coming up right, Wednesday, sure. six to eight o'clock at Twin Peaks in Maplewood. Alex, before we get out of here, your quick elevator pitch on how you feel about the Cardinals' three starting pitching additions is what? As Harold Reynolds said, "Oh man, this is terrible." <laughs> <laughs> that's my quick elevator pitch. Look, you did good getting Sonny Gray. You've got a guy that's got that upper piece of the rotation talent to me you missed the mark signing two guys for 23 million dollars and you didn't upgrade significantly over miles michaelis i think your rotation is significantly better than a year ago and that's not the bar that you were supposed to clear your bar that you're supposed to clear is what the legitimate playoff contenders are and i think that what you did leaves a little something to be desired now could still get creative they might go make a, another addition all of the reporting mm-hmm. indicates that's not the case and if this ends up being the rotation going into next season i think that by the time we get to the trade deadline We'll be asking ourselves, are the Cardinals willing to make the necessary move to add the number one starter? We're kicking this can down the road once again. It instead of being an offseason discussion, will be a trade deadline discussion. And Alex is right. I think we all know what the answer to that question is. And so I am growing frustrated that while I don't hate any of these moves individually, when you add them all up together, I think they left themselves a little bit short once again when it comes to the upside that they need for their rotation. We'll talk about that and plenty more tomorrow from 11 to 2. The Fast Lane's coming up next here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.